For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And you can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Sadly, lot of tragedy after the weekend in all of the newspapers and the Echo carries it on their front page. They talk of three dead and several injured in weekend incidents right across our county. Three people have died and several seriously injured um, following three separate incidents in Cork over the weekend. One is uh, a teenage boy who was killed in a two-car crash uh, up around Mitchellstown um, on the uh, M50 at one in the morning. Um, that was Johnny Foley from Cork City. A woman in her 30s, extremely uh, seriously injured, four taken to hospital. Uh, there was also the very sad story of, of man his 20s left in a critical condition, also subsequently died following a two-car collision in the Fromoy area uh, at around 20 to 9 on Saturday evening. And then, and a woman in that case was driving the other car, was taken to the CUH with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. And then there's the very sad news also then of um, a man in his 40s who died on uh, Cape Clear, on the island of Cape Clear, uh, in West Cork on Saturday. Um, so the lad at 16 who died was a passenger in a stolen car that hit a second vehicle head-on. Now, um, the sole occupant of the second car was a woman in her 30s who was going home from work, apparently, badly injured and in a serious uh, condition. The guards are, were attempting to intercept the car before it made its way on, my apologies, before it made its way onto the M8, um, but they didn't, it's believed that they didn't follow it onto the motorway, according to the papers today. I'll have, I'll have more on these stories in a few minutes' time. It's very tragic what happened then down in Cape Clear, where uh, this man apparently was, was apparently playing football. Um, he, it's understood that he was man in his 40s playing football with his family on Saturday when the ball went over the edge at Cape Clear and he set off on a route to the foot of the cliffs to get the ball back. Uh, and uh, when he failed to return, a family member raised the alarm. That then led to a search and rescue operation which carried out and the Irish Coast Guard were involved, Rescue 115 um, from the helicopters and Baltimore lifeboat and everything. And sadly, very sadly, his body was subsequently recovered during the search. Uh, So there will be uh, some updates uh, on those stories in a few minutes' time with Barry Roach from uh, the Irish Times. The other tragedy, of course, on a national scale is two teenage pals who died in in the Greek islands. Uh, They call it another Greek holiday horror. It's a front page of Making the Sun today, the two teenage lads. They were from the same school. They were on one of those post-leaving cert holidays on the Greek island with a big group of their pals. An awful lot of students are on either Sekentos or, or EOS right now, celebrating the end of secondary school and the next chapter in their lives. Uh, two teenagers died on that holiday at the weekend, and it's an immense day of sadness, just, just, not just obviously for their families, and their families are, are travelling out uh, to EOS for that, but for all of their schoolmates and indeed their schools as well. So the uh, mail this morning calls it uh, two teenagers die on a Leaving Cert holiday in Greece, Leaving Cert pals die on Greek Isle, uh, and uh, it's all, these are the, the stories that are dominating the loss of so many young lives over the weekend. But can I go back to the Cork stories, if you don't mind? I'm joined by Barry Rhodes, our Southern correspondent with the Irish Times, and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Just, uh, just updating, because obviously you're covering it in the Irish Times this morning. Uh, we have three separate uh, incidents in Cork over the weekend, resulting in three deaths. One, of course, was the man who tragically died on Cape Clear. Could, could we start um, with uh, the teenage lad on the M8, um, Johnny Foley from Cork City. When was this and what happened? Yes, you know, as you say, a weekend of tragedy in Cork. Uh, 
on, on the roads and um, I suppose at sea as well. Uh, yeah, Friday night into Monday morning, into Saturday morning, my apologies. Um, Johnny Foley, he was 16 year old lad from the city. He was a front seat passenger in the car that um, car had been stolen on early hours Thursday morning in Grange and um, Carrie obviously were on the lookout for it. It showed up in Bandon uh, on Friday afternoon and then on Friday night it showed up at Glenworth in North Cork. Carrie were alerted there and the number of units went out to try and intercept it. They encountered it or as Garda, uh, the ombudsman said they had an interaction with it but they lost it somewhere outside Glenworth on the country road. It then surfaced again at Kildare about half twelve in to sun, into Saturday morning, uh, going through Kildare at speed. Again, Gardy engaged with it, shall we say, had an interaction with it, and they were following it. Uh, it was heading towards Mitchellstone. And then, uh, coming onto the junction 12 at Mitchellstone, the car went down the up ramp and it went southbound on the northbound lane against the traffic. So, driving to Cork, uh, where it was coming up against traffic, they would have been driving upwards towards Dublin. No, up, up, up towards, towards Dublin. And a short time, no, the Gardaí stopped, didn't go onto the motorway, they stopped at the, um, at the roundabout there at the junction, but the car continued down. And it collided with uh, a car coming northward, driven by a, a woman from uh, Glenmire, a 37-year-old woman. It was a head-on collision, we understand. And uh, Johnny Foley, unfortunately, was front seat passenger in the car. He was fatally injured. The driver, a 17-year-old lad, was also injured. His three passengers, a 19-year-old lad, a 17-year-old lad, and a 13-year-old girl, all received injuries. 13-year-old girl. 13-year-old girl, yeah. They're all taken to hospital um, and then the woman was taken as well and she has serious but non-life-threatening injuries. My understanding is that they're life-changing injuries for her. So the world was caught in Oscar-D, carried out, uh, put diversions in place, it was closed until about 6 o'clock Saturday evening uh, to enable a friend to crash investigator examine the scene. Uh, Gardaí appealed for anyone who has any dash cam footage or witness collision to contact them in Mitchellstone. Uh, and then because of the interactions with Gardy in Glanworth and the Kildare to the junction interaction, uh, GSOC were notified by the Gardaí, so GSOC have launched their own separate investigation into it as well. So the two investigations, the Gardaí investigation to the crash and then the GSOC investigation to the Gardaí interaction with the, the car and the lads and the, the young girl in it. So uh, that's a tragedy, really, really Isn't sad. it? Absolutely uh, awful. I suppose. I mean, one, one, one from the dead, but I was talking to um, one, one witness said, like, it's terrible. But it could be worse because it's just like a war zone the, with the injuries people had there. Oh on, my um, god! Oh my god! Saturday morning. So was he sixteen or was he seventeen? There's conflicting reports. Uh, the dead lad is sixteen. The driver was seventeen. One of the passengers was seventeen. 16. Another was nineteen, and the girl was only thirteen. I think. I understand it. But um, horrible, horrible story. Horrible oh story. And, um, and you know, you just wonder from a guard point of view. It's very difficult to. What do you do? You can't go down the wrong way. And I mean, we had that case recently in Dublin where uh, Garda was pursuing uh, three burglars, I think, and um, they were killed. They collided with a truck and he was charged last week with dangerous strike. The guard was, yeah. So the guard was, yeah. So I think that's something that's very much to the forefront of Garda minds at the moment. But certainly going down the wrong way on a motorway, like it's, you know, it's... Um, it's just it's so, so, so dangerous. What an awful I, loss of young life like that. It's just awful. Oh, yeah, like in desperate And I'm when you're 15, 16, you think you're invincible. Invincible, totally. Absolutely invincible. You're going to live forever. you don't realise how, how dangerous cars can be. Like, you know, they're, they're okay, they get you from A to B, but they can be weapons as well. I mean, I don't know how many, what sort of traffic there would have been going northbound 
uh, at 1 a.m. on Saturday morning. I mean, a couple late, that road will come back from Dublin. And, you know, you do meet a lot of traffic, uh, particularly good traffic, uh, trucks and things like that, heading north, I think so. But, um, you know, if you're driving north like that, the last thing you expect is a car to be coming down. And the poor misfortunate woman in the other car, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know, yeah. some say she was either going to work or coming from work or something like that. Um, yeah. Badly injured. Yeah, Seriously, you, you think by and large motorways because of the division and the the, uh, the uh, median in the road in centre that they tend to be, you know, you have to be careful obviously driving, but you're it's not like driving on some of the more, more uh, national roads where you you've bad bends and there's not a division. That's right. You think you think okay. those, yeah. you're all going the same direction, but uh, you stay alert. You stay in your lane. You don't you expect this yeah. this frightening so, experience coming coming head on into you. Uh, what, what of the, uh, our, our thoughts are with all of those involved, but what, what about the incident then that led to the, the, a man in his 20s dying in Fromoy? Yeah, that was on Saturday evening at 8.40. So daylight, and uh, a car coming McCorton Street is the street coming across from the Dublin side of town across the square, take a right heading up toward the Cork Road, that's McCorton Street there. So a car... Uh, there travelled at speed and collided with another car. Uh, the first car had three occupants, uh, a male driver and a female passenger were taken to uh, CH. The third passenger, in his, uh, an Eastern European man in his 20s, he was also taken hospital with serious injuries and he was described as being in a critical condition on Saturday and he passed away yesterday there. And the driver of that car, then a man in his 30s, is due to appear in court in Mallow this morning charged in connection with endangerment, I think, and dangerous driving. And then the driver of the other car, who was a Polish woman in her 50s, she was also injured, but she received non-life-threatening injuries. So that's another very sad... Uh, sorry, Guardian from I are appealing for witnesses there. Anyone with dash cam footage, there has to contact from I Garda Station on 25 82100. And just to go back to the other one, in Mitchellstown, anyone there with uh, dash cam footage or witness incident, they're asked to contact Mitchellstown Garda Station and that's 025 84833. It's been a very bad day in North Cork, but also down in West Cork, because in the Irish Times you're also covering uh, the man who lost his life. He was down on Cape Clare, Clare with his family. They were they were playing ball, and and the ball. Uh, what happened? It, it went over. This this most b- bizarre, freakish it seems tragedy. Man from Clonakilty, forty-four-year-old, playing football with his kids, staying in the Clare Haven campsite. There, ball went over a cliff for a steep incline. It's not really like it's on a sheer cliff. He walked down around the coastline to get it, get the ball. Didn't come back. Uh, his wife became concerned. She went down. She couldn't find him. She thought he might have come back another way. Uh, it transpired. There was a civilian in a rig passing by. He spotted him. Now, it's not clear whether he was in on the rocks or in the water at this stage, but it appears that he fell and hit his head on the rocks there. Now, whether he died from a head injury or whether he subsequently uh, drowned in, in the water, it's unclear. And I think they're already awaiting results of post-mortem today to try and establish that. But the... Alarm was raised, the woman raised the alarm, uh, the Irish Marine, Irish Coast Guard, Marine Rescue Coordination Centre Valencia tasked the helicopter from Shannon to come down and Baltimore Lifeboat, Baltimore Lifeboat, the Alan Massey went out and they brought out their inshore boat and I think they collected the casualty in the inshore boat, transferred him to the main lifeboat, brought him back then from Cape Clear to, um, uh, to Baltimore. The emergency service was alerted, but tragically, when uh, they got back to Baltimore and the paramedics and doctors went to work on him, 
he was pronounced dead there. So it's a really, really... It is. Yeah, Olivia Kelleher in the tabloids this morning is talking about this being the second tragedy. Let us not forget Joanna Wisnowska. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in East Cork, I mean, like, when she went in to try and save her son, who got into difficulty. No, two really, really, you know, fun occasions for people uh, going off to enjoy themselves at the beach or at, at the, on the camping, and suddenly turning into tragedy. Uh, no, it's just been a really bad. Well, it's last up June, and this is July, obviously, but yeah. a bad few weeks in Cork. You know, yeah. really, really bad. Barry, thanks as always. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of tragedy to report this morning. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. In fact, the Southern Star this morning are warning swimmers of riptide warnings. Uh, swimmers, uh, four were rescued uh, on Inchidoni's East Beach, East Beach, where one of the incidents regarding a riptide uh, occurred. The Southern Star this morning saying a riptide warning has been issued after swor- four swimmers were rescued in two separate incidents in West Cork at the weekend. In Red Strand, a West Cork couple who went for their first swim of the season on Sunday afternoon got caught in a riptide and were rescued by a local woman. And then a lifeguard and uh, Inchidoni lifeboat came to the assistance of two others who also got into difficulty on the same afternoon in Inchidoni riptides. The power of them you are completely helpless if you're caught in them because you just um, you just would not believe how powerful a riptide could be as you're trying to fight against it. It's very, very sad, these stories. Also, I'm asking the question this morning because two teen pals are dead uh, on a Greek holiday horror in, in Eos. And this is, is not the first. And God knows, um, you know, it's, it's important that, uh, you know, teenagers get to... Uh, celebrate their freedom from secondary school and indeed the next stage of their life. But before that, you want to say goodbye to a lot of your pals, don't you? And holidays abroad become one of the ways of doing this. But I'm wondering as parents, um, how you feel about the prospect of a a son or or daughter, whether it's this year or in years to come, going to the likes of uh, Eos or Zaginthos or, or one of the Greek islands where they're young and, you know, to some extent feel as if they're absolutely invincible. I'm not referencing in any way, shape or form the two misfortunate tragedies involving uh, Irish students at the the weekend. But would you think twice about it or does it play on your mind or on your nerves or do you worry about uh, the leaving cert holidays? Um, And, you know, indeed, are you trying to convince your son or daughter not to go or would you be encouraging them to go? Uh, Text 0868 104 106 on that one. There's other stories making the news today which I will jump in and out of throughout the course of the morning. Um, Residents in Noonan's Road make the front of the echo because they feel as if they've been abandoned by Cork City Council in homes that they claim are unsafe and unfit for human habitation. If you're one of them, I certainly would, lo- would love to talk to you as to how bad the housing crisis is with the state of Noonan Road homes. You can text 0868 104 106 on that one. Another story we've been talking about quite a bit is dog attacks in Ireland. And there's a double pager making the star this morning saying that 1,300 children have been hospitalised as a result of dog attacks over the past 10 years. Could you believe that? If it was 1,300 If it was 130, you'd say it was too many, but this is 1,300 because of dog attacks in the last 10 years. The figures go up to 2022 under Freedom of Information. And and they also talked this morning uh, of another holiday. I should have mentioned this, actually. We're talking about overseas stories. It's a story in The Sun. It's an Irish woman. Um, I don't know what issues are going on in this mother's life that she has to deal with by drinking, um, you know, that that is a tragedy in itself. But she's been arrested in Mallorca on suspicion of abandoning her young child to go drinking while on holiday. Um, it looks as if she never stopped from the moment she arrived. She's a 45-year-old. She's been held at the hotel in Mallorca now over allegedly leaving her five-year-old daughter alone 
to go boozing. Uh, she drank, according to police, from the moment she got up uh, until the last minute when she went to bed at night. And the little girl ended up being cared for by the other tourists in the hotel. Uh, she continued drinking her alcohol, even though after she had been banned uh, from drinking within the hotel itself, Instead, she went to the supermarket and bought all of the, the, the alcohol back. She's been arrested now, and her uh, the father of the daughter is now travelling to Mallorca. It's a story that makes the sun today called Boozy Mum's Arrest. For those that work remotely, apparently it's putting more and more relationships under strain by all accounts. The growing number of remote working strain on marriages, where therapists are reporting a surge in couples struggling to adapt to spending longer days together under the same roof. You know, in theory, working remotely is all very well, but not if you're under the same roof 24-7. It can put a bit of an old strain. And there's some lovely stories actually making the papers today with regards to people who are still rocking it as they get that little bit older. It's a great article in the Mirror today that Debbie Harry of Blondie is still partying, still gigging, and is still enjoying life, and still in great shape physically and vocally at the age of 78. And I see Sir Mick Jagger is planning to wed his girlfriend, uh, albeit that she is 45 years his junior. So these are stories that make the papers this morning in quite some detail. Actually, there's some other lovely ones today where there's a hospital in the UK now has allowed a dog into the labour ward for the very first time. Uh, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier is photographed in the, uh, in the mail, the English edition of the mail this morning. Um, and uh, inside in the labour ward with Amy Tompkins because she has she lives with autism, has a long history of anxiety and she wouldn't leave the house for months but had to go to hospital to give birth and they were all happy enough to allow her dog into the labour ward with her and apparently it made all the difference. If you're heading out and about over the summer and you're thinking of having a couple of bevs, maybe you are already, perhaps you're one of those who has moved from alcohol to alcohol-free beer. By all account, Heineken cannot make enough bottles of Heineken Zero, would appear. It's absolutely flying off the shelf. I think Heineken Zero gives you an incredible amount of freedom when you're out and about, I find, because you can drive and you feel great in the morning. So apparently they just can't make enough of it. That's the story in the UK Times today and there's others which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning uh, back after the break text 0868104106 call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818104106 Red FM uh, I didn't mention the RTE coverage in the papers either this morning or across the weekend because I wanted to return to it now but it's not that there isn't coverage there's just so much of it they're calling it a summer of sham ahead in the front page of the star with all sorts of inquiries and investigations but there is a Cork connection to this because uh, RTE Cork now, apparently, it's according to Jumbo Cairns and many of the Red Tops this morning, are planning to sell their Cork offices. Not, not to shut down RTE Cork, to the best of my knowledge, but to move to rented accommodation on Albert Quay. And one of the big shows that comes out of RTE Cork, of course, is the Today Show with Marjoran and Dahi O'Shea. Uh, so this is all part of loads and loads of different speculation as to what the future of RT would look like. So that's the story, say, for instance, with regards to RT Cork. They want to sell uh, the Father Matthew Key broadcasting studio, move into rental accommodation. I guess they're so strapped for money. But also, uh, over the weekend, with regards to all of this turmoil involving say, for instance, Ryan Tuberty at the centre of it. Um, many people have said in the past that 2FM uh, should be sold off and the second television channel, RT2, should be just shut down. Uh, they're also talking over the weekend, um, very much in detail, 
about the possibility, because the Mail on Sunday said that 400 staff in RTE could well be laid off. Um, if that were the case, I hope they get proper redundancy packages. But on top of that, there would be a cap on salaries for all of RTE stars, which to, if, if that were to happen, you would see some of them, including the likes of Joe Duffy or Claire Byrne and Ryan Tuberty, if he ever to make it back on the air, taking substantial decreases in their wages. But the Independent then yesterday uh, did um, uh, a question and answers poll asking people various questions uh, with regards to the state of play, do you think there's been too much focus on the scandal in RT? Nearly 70% said no. I was worried about that last week. Were people talking about it uh, much and uh, too much? But uh, who is to blame with regards to this? The RT executive came out at 73% of people saying that they were the biggest blame, followed by D Forbes and followed by Ryan Tuberty. Um, they were asking, should Ryan Tuberty go back on air at some stage in the future? Would you believe it? Nearly 50% of people, uh, the exact figure being 47%, said that he should never be back on RT. Again, there's an interesting question then as to whether people um, actually trust RT or not. And I thought it was quite interesting the high number of people who said that they never ever trusted RT in the first place. 35% of people said, I never trusted RT anyway. But the grave for Ryan Tuberty continues to be dug because the Saturday Independent then started to ask who would replace Ryan Tuberty if he were never to go back. Oliver Callan being the, um, the number one favourite, Rachel English, uh, Marty Morrissey, Sarah McInerney. Brendan O'Connor and people like that. And then we also have uh, the um, issues regarding Noel Kelly, who would seem to be, uh, many would say, the real director general of RTE and the many people that he represents. One, two, three, four, five, six by four columns, by five columns. Over 30 people um, that are well-known national names in Ireland are all represented by Noel Kelly. They call him the real DG. And they include Ryan Tuberty, Claire Byrne, Joe Duffy, Catherine Thomas, Pat Kenny, Doreen Garrahy, Dave Fanning, Anna Geary, Dermot Bannon, and it goes on and on. Kira Kelly at News Talk. The list is endless, an awful lot of them uh, on RTE. And then there was a lot of coverage this morning and indeed over the weekend over the cars that the RTE stars are given. Some of them are worth upwards of €70,000. And also, another breaking story yesterday was Patrick O'Connell in the Sunday World saying that D Forbes has already lawyered up and that our lawyers um, are either going to get in touch or have been in touch and corresponding with RTE that she is braced for legal action because of her being now the ex-chief and all of this leading from the Tuberty fallout. So a lot to digest this morning. Senator Ronan Mullen joins me in studio. Where to begin with all of that? Uh, Your thoughts on any of those stories that come to mind, particularly the poll in The Independent yesterday? Yeah, well, good morning, Neil, and good morning to your listeners. I would think that, look, there is an argument for keeping our perspective here as well. Um, this This is a great story. It clearly has a long way to run. There's an awful lot more we need to find out about you know, what is the extent of what has been going on? Who knew what? Um, the largesse, the slush fund, the hospitality, the interplay of the hospitality industry, which is certainly seems to have encouraged very bad habits at RTE. The buying of all of these tickets for the for rugby matches yeah. over a 10-year period, the trip for six people to Japan. Yeah, it's hard not to be very interested by all that. And yes, there's also an argument for keeping perspective. And I've always been a believer in, you know, avoid the personalising of things too much find where people are established to have done wrong there should still though be um, a way back for people so uh, you know for me it's less about whether Ryan Tuberty has a future at the station now we'll have to see you know what exactly did he know etc etc but I would always like to think that there's actually a way back for people when they get it wrong but I'm very interested in if, what, he, if, the he, 
form going to be? If he if he comes forward and gives his side of the story, perhaps. Yes, I, I, I'm not a fan of pylons. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm That's just what not. I'm trying to say. Yeah. And 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 also politicians, we have to be a little bit suspect of my my breed as well in all of this because what, politicians love to grandstand as well. Even take that example last week where the the finance guy was asked his salary. Now his salary wasn't the story. He's probably he is on a good salary, two hundred grand. But, but I don't think he should have been asked that question. Or I certainly would have sympathised with him if he said, look, if our salary is going to be published, I've no problem with that. But just because I'm the man in the hot seat, I don't see why you're now asking me about my salary. My salary isn't the story here. So that's where politicians just kind of go off the reservation a little bit. Yeah, they but want I to didn't grandstand. like the part in it where, the, where they asked about the costs for um, the... Um, RT pantomime which in yeah. itself became a pantomime of yes. disaster yes. and they wouldn't give the, that because they said we can't tell because of commercial sensitivity yeah, yeah. people want and demand to know the amount of money that was spent on um, the, the toy show exactly and pantomime. that's a much less personalised thing and I have no problem with people asking that question because again but they refused to answer it they did and look it's a bit like when politicians ask questions at the dawn and we're going to say oh well, we have attorney general's advice we can't tell you what it is but it says no you know that kind of thing yeah. Or, or people say there are unforeseen consequences. Commercial sensitivities uh, are, are indeed a legal um, privilege. These are kind of easy to reach for type of arguments when people don't want to give the answers to hard questions that people are entitled to ask. What I would say is this. By all means, let the let the Oireachtas committees continue to probe and ask questions. They need to be aware, as I said, of grandstanding. They need to keep focus on the issues. But maybe what will be more important is what the, the external appoint, the appointee, the external auditor comes in and comes up with because that's where you can really ask hard questions and it, it, not necessarily in the full glare of the public eye. You know, we'll get, but we'll they get had Deloitte in there answers. and then Deloitte yeah. got shifted aside and um, in went uh, Grant Thornton. Yeah, and yeah. now they're a third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've often felt that... Who's it, paying for all this? Well, that's another question. And how much are Grant Thornton being paid? And indeed, was it tendered for or was it just a sudden decision? Pick up the phone and say, come in and do this, you know? Again, there's a corporate culture here about how money gets spent that, that, that this is essentially all about. What and, about the, t- the capping of, of salary? Well, my bill is not something, by the way, I came up with overnight. I've been saying since 2019 that uh, salaries in public service broadcasters should be pegged to to public sector uh, pay scales. So this legislation that I've brought forward, the Restriction of Salaries Bill, which is going to be debated uh, in the Shannon on Wednesday, um, basically sets out, it's about a corporation under the Broadcasting Act, which is RTE and TG Cahar. Why just them? Because this is about taxpayers' money, essentially. 200 million out of the 350 million that RTE gets is coming from the license yeah, fee yeah. and it's and what we've had from RTE are kind of corporate arguments to say oh well we pay a huge salary to this person because they bring in a huge amount of revenue now that's fine if you're exclusively corporate but money is fungible and where you have the comfort blanket of a taxpayer funded licence fee you just you can't you just can't let salaries like that run away it damages morale within the organisation it creates a them and us culture there's so it wouldn't many even work, it wouldn't even work if RTE were, were clean which they don't seem to be at the moment because of the slush fund and the yeah. way that we're using yeah. and the, this invoicing business of yeah. two invoices 75 grand involving Noel Kelly yeah. so that makes it even more reason that there yeah. has to be a root and branch look at it, isn't it? So, yeah. but but your bill is saying that nobody would earn more than one hundred and ninety-five grand, which is basically the minister for communications uh, salary. And so that would see the likes of Joe Duffy or Claire Byrne or, to a more extent, Ryan Tuberty taking a fifty percent cut in wages. 
Yeah, and looking at some people say, oh, well, you'll lose them. And I say, well, well, you might and you might not. And where do they go? And is it necessarily a bad thing if people go off into other areas of the market or even abroad? You know, we were all very proud of Terry Wogan and how well he did in Britain, you know, Graham Norton. But they, yeah, it, but, I would but Virgin say, weren't looking for Ryan Tuberty. They never asked him to move. They never made an offer. That's right. And I just think that, that argument is made too quickly. I mean, if you look at what happened when Pat Kenny left, Sean O'Rourke kept the kept the ratings high. Uh, Claire Byrne has done the same since Sean O'Rourke left. When Marion Finucane died and was replaced by Brendan O'Connor, there wasn't a collapse in the ratings. Jerry Ryan might be an outlier because, you know, he was the big cash cow uh, for, for 2FM. But I would still say if the taxpayer's money is in any way involved, and it is because money is fungible, then that culture stinks. And it, it's, 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 we've seen how it is damaging to the morale within the organisation and it is damaging to public confidence. Because in the end, if you, if you look at the kind of the culture that has taken hold in RTE, um, they're very good at preaching to the nation. You have these celebrities who not only get very highly paid, they're also in a position, presumably, to monetize their value externally through appearances. And by the way, my bill says that can happen. I have yeah. no problem yeah. with that. What happens all in the, private, yeah. All the yeah. more reason to keep their, yeah. their, their, their official salary low because their, their celebrity gives them other opportunities anyway. But I think there's an awful lot to be said for RTE as a public service broadcaster. Getting back to a balance, the people behind the scenes, you know and I know that salaries in journalism and media are very modest compared to what some of these people have been earning. Uh, I would like to see a rebalancing of salary and it would be there'd be nothing wrong at all with RTE as a public service broadcaster continuing to be a nursery for new talent and okay they're not able to pay what other maybe commercial rivals might okay. occasionally be able to pay that's no harm at all yeah well there was always a di- there should have been always a difference between commercial yeah. and public broadcasting because commercial will pay whatever it wants because yeah. it's its own money what about Keelty's salary uh, for 30 episodes of the late late at quarter of a million yeah well I said some people were surprised it was so low and others still say it's too high yeah I said it's at the borderline of what should be permissible. It, would, it depends. Is it a day and a day and a half week work? He's going to, as I understand it, come into the country again. It, 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 that presumably that contract is 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 signed now and and is over the line. If it wasn't, I'd be saying to RT, come on come back and take a look at that again you know a new culture needs to take hold here I see uh, Brendan O'Connor saying he's on about a quarter of a million as well um, are, you, are you critical of that it's a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning show two weekend shows for 245 grand you know I wouldn't hold myself out as the best expert on this in terms of what exactly each person delivers for their salary I suppose from my point of view as a member of the Oireachtas I want to legislate for the principle that there should be a cap some people will say 195,000 is too much One one of the things I looked at was, well, maybe we should peg it not to the minister, but to a civil service. For example, Assistant Secretary General of a department starts off at about 154,000. Another thing my bill says, by the way, is when they are, because what I was trying to do working on this bill over quite a long time is to is to figure out how do we balance the fact that some people are direct employees who have all the pension and other benefits that go with being a direct employee and, and others are on done. contract. So what my bill is saying is they can take into account when they're fixing people's salaries. In fact, they must the benefits that go with public service pay scales, but the overall remuneration must always be capped. Okay, the Mail yesterday were talking, um, and while it doesn't seem as if it's written in stone, the Mail on Sunday were saying this is the thought process of politicians in Leinster House, would be to uh, have 400 redundancies within RT to close down the second television channel and to sell to FM. Is that is that quite drastic? Or is that what's needed for a, for a, an organisation that just can't survive otherwise? 
I honestly don't know the answer to that question. You'd have to, I'd have to know a lot more and look at. Well, a lot it's more about cutting costs, there. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, it, you, obviously the, the RT has to wipe, wash its own face. You know. Um, I think it has been in deficit a good bit over the years, but I don't think in recent years it has managed to. I think make a modest, immodest profit. So let those issues be determined by you know responsible financial management. Uh, but let's. My focus really is on the corporate culture that needs to change. You know, there are, we don't need Lionel Messi's in RT. There's lots of talented people, but they're not the only brain surgeries and brain surgeons in the city. And it's to get that balance and say, yeah, you've got talent. We're going to nurture it. But your talent and your celebrity gives you great opportunities. Yours is about outside. capping salaries, okay? Capping but, sal- but, and publishing any salary in excess of a TD's level. Which okay. Is what, what about 000. the thirty percent of people, twenty nine percent to be exact, who said that they do not intend paying their license fee? According to the Sunday Independent poll. Well, you know, I, I I have a lot of sympathy with people who, for whatever reason, have withheld their license fee in recent years. And I mean, this, this is an issue that I've talked about in another context. I personally know a lot of people who feel very preached at by RTE. Sometimes you have, and by the way, another aspect of my bill is that it makes it a contractual requirement that if you're working in broadcasting, whether it's news, current affairs, entertainment, or others, that you you keep your personal views out of things. I think there's been far too that's much insane curating. You can't, of the it's impossible mood. to do a radio program without having an opinion. That would be like suggesting that I couldn't, I would have to be a total and utter fence sitter on everything we discuss on this show. I, I would, could never even play devil's advocate or take the other side. Well, first of all, I'd have no problem with your doing it because you are not in receipt of taxpayers' money. Okay, so th- so I think there's a whole different standard that applies. There are already standards on, on uh, fairness and balance that are there in the codes. But, the it, duties but, of but if you do codes. what you're suggesting, you yeah. never ever would have had Jerry Ryan on the air. Nor gay burn for that matter. Yeah, and 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 there is a there is an argument that at times we've had too much preaching, uh, too much woke progressive group think uh, thinking, and I think we've seen it in more recent times, even around the way COVID was handled and communicated. Um, controversies over migration at the moment. I just get the impression sometimes there is far too much curating of the national mood um, um, by broadcasters who have big names, and not only are they getting big salaries, but they actually feel that they get to tell us how we should think about it. But they don't have a hidden agenda. They're not getting anything trousered in a back pocket or anything. They're just having a point of view to Uh, generate and garner debate and conversation. Agreed. But if they want to influence and decide, let them run for the doll or let them earn their own salary, but they don't get, in my view, they also get to be publicly funded public educators. But that means a broadcaster can't criticise politicians or the working of dollar. No, I I, I think it it means that they can ask hard questions at all times. It's their personal view. By the way, the devil's advocate thing is completely legitimate at all times. It doesn't mean that you've got a personal view that you're trying to get across. So in other words, if I'm making a case for one, let's say you're arguing against my my, my, my legislation today here and you're saying, for example, Ronan, if you cap salaries, you're going to lose all sorts of talent um, and in fact they will lose out commercially in ten, terms of advert revenue. That's not necessarily your personal view. You are rightly putting the other side of the argument to me. Have a, have a listen to this because this is me with, with Simon Coveney some time back when he said I shouldn't and should keep my mouth shut and things keep out of it. I mean, we, did, we didn't even touch on the fact that you announced, uh, you know, free bus places for everybody going to school and then all of a sudden there's no bus places for kids going to school. Incidentally, many would say there was no shortage of buses or coaches for refugees, but kids trying to get to school can't get to school because Neil, there's Neil. too many of them around. So all Neil, of those issues, Neil. yeah. yeah.
Neil, I really think you should think about how you address the refugee issue when you're speaking to as many people as you speak to. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm uh, telling. You have, I'm you telling you what you people are saying on the air. You may yeah, not hear yeah, what I'm people are saying. Yeah, they say no, my my child can't get a place on a school bus, but yet I see other buses for people who would be coming here fleeing war. I'm not disputing any of that, but there are plenty there's of coaches a, and buses for them. There's not a connection between the two issues. Oh, isn't there? Okay. There is not a connection between right. the two issues. The school bus service is a different issue to uh, um, uh, to um, to Ukrainians being being bussed from um, uh, reception centres to more permanent accommodation. They're two entirely separate issues, and you're an influential voice in terms of, of how the public... Yes, and it court. is my job to make not, you aware you of what not. people are saying on Lisa yeah. on but different you, topics that they're passionate or interested but in. But you should not pit people against each other, particularly when they are vulnerable people, refugees that have come fleeing war, and many vulnerable Irish people too, uh, uh, in terms of... You create, uh, you, you, it's you create situations after. like this in government. It's you create the disparity and the unhappiness. No. And, the, and no. it's you create situations where middle-income families feel they'd be better off unemployed, for instance, because they feel like it's just pointless trying to continue. It's not, it's not me. I, I, don't, I don't create disparity or anger in the community. That's an example of the impartiality that you want, that Simon Coveney also wants. No, I wouldn't be on the same page as Simon there. I, you, I, as I listen to that, you are putting ideas that are out there to him. You're not just saying this is my view and, and this is right. Um, so I think politicians have to be able to hear that. And, I, and by the way, I've always said on the immigration thing, I favour a policy that is generous but structured, structured but generous. But I do not favour a society where we're not allowed to talk about this issue, you know, in the way that government sometimes seems to, to want. No, but and, you're uh, suggesting yeah. that a broadcaster, because they're paid by the state, should remain impartial in all matters. But at the same but time... you weren't you're, being... On, you, no, you I'm were not, being impartial there. You were just putting to him... But I'm just giving you an example saying. of, of yeah. where, where we're going here yeah. in this Orwellian society that you're... You, you claim to be fighting against it. Yes. Like with regards to the proposed hate yeah. bill. You hate the hate bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. because, but, but not the people behind it. But, but okay, but you don't like it, but yeah. yet, yet you're, you're talking about protecting freedom of speech, yes. but yet asking broadcasters to butt out. No, I'm not saying that. I am, but what I'm against is privileged speech by people who are being paid by the taxpayer using their celebrity to educate the nation about what they should think about one issue or another. Uh, broadcasters who are publicly funded have particular standards that they ought to adhere to. And that is, by all means, put the other side case. But put the other side... Like, for example, and it's well known, I'm a pro-life person. Over the years, I have felt that journalists always ask the hard questions uh, of the pro-life side, but just complete dolly shots to the pro-choice, pro-abortion side. We have seen that bias and nowhere more over the years than in for example RTE and that happened because people had felt that they had a certain impunity they lost uh, contact with the public they serve they lost that sense of responsibility to be as scrupulous about putting hard questions whether they agreed with that point of view or not okay okay if I, if I came down from another planet right now and arrived from Mars yeah. and you and I asked you yeah. and we were able to communicate yeah. what this hate bill is about what, what would you say to me I think this hate bill is about putting manners uh, on the public because the government feel that um, th- that in the Wild West society of communication that now exists uh, around social media and so on, that they are somehow justified in, in putting the frighteners a little bit on people about what they may or may not think on a range Give of... Give me some examples issues. then of what would become a criminal act. 
Well, the examples I can give you of what may become a criminal act, because what I dislike most about this bill is that there is a complete failure, first of all, to define hatred, leaving people wondering then, is my point of view uh, going to involve, lead me to having a knock on the door from the Gardaí saying, you know, you can't say that. It isn't just about whether a person will actually end up being criminally prosecuted and convicted of something. It is the fact that they might be subjected to a process which itself becomes the punishment. That someone else would see something that you might tweet or you might post on social media and call the guards about you and the guards would knock on your door. Or a pylon on social media. Ronan Mullen is being a hater. He is spreading hatred by what he's saying. And I'd say no... But what what could that be? That somebody who might believe that abortion is murder or somebody who might disagree fundamentally with uh, with uh, gay marriage yeah. or someone who might have an issue with transgenderism. And I think the last one in particular because you, you know what the most obvious thing about this bill remember this bill is replacing existing incitement to hatred legislation. Which exists already. Which is with us already. And what's the minister doing in it? They're lowering the threshold because you no longer have to be stirring it up. You no longer have to in, well you, you, you have to either intend or indeed only be reckless about whether hatred is incited. Then not defining hatred leaves people wondering but what is hatred? It, it involves incitement to hatred against what they call certain protected char- people with certain protected characteristics. And they've imported this radical new definition of gender, which they say includes gender, gender expression, gender identity. Yeah, yeah. In other words, anything under that heading. And that is exactly... So you would the- not be allowed to have an opinion on that? Or you would come under enormous pressure. People already do for having... I mean, you've seen what has happened to J.K. Rowling, for example. Helen Joyce, brilliant person who wrote a book, Trans, uh, When Ideology Meets Reality, former editor at The Economist newspaper, you know, not allowed speak in universities because she has questioned the crazy excesses of gender ideology. So I think this is a particular worry that in the incitement to hatred legislation, which has, as I said, very undefined uh, hatred... Somebody were to say that they don't agree that there should be uh, multi-sex bathrooms so that a transgender should be allowed to... Exactly. And, and some parent maybe who is worried, for example, about the fact that the GA or the LGFA has no problem with biological males playing sports with their teenage girls or anybody over 12, which I think is their current rule. And somebody who wants to say maybe in robust, even crude or rude terms, maybe in terms that you and I wouldn't use. My point is, this is a democracy. We have to be allowed here and even be offended but they say by the bar. Okay, we've given a lot of examples of what potentially could go wrong, but yeah. they're saying the bar for criminal investigation would be set very high. That's kind of vague in itself, isn't it? It is, and not only that, but if you look at what the minister has been saying, she's saying, oh, this is only about criminalising extreme hate speech. Sorry, the word extreme is not in the bill. It, she has said, this is about deliberately stirring up. No, sorry, deliberately isn't in her new bill. Stirring up isn't in her new bill. And then, worst of all, we're saying, you know, the Gardaí and the courts know what hatred is. You know, this is the kind of hate is hate, the way people say love is love. But I'm sorry, this is the criminal law. It is the extreme end of social sanction. And there's one thing we all know about criminal law, and this has been held in court cases, which is, if there's a criminal law there, you as a citizen, and I as a citizen, are entitled to know exactly what it is would put us the wrong side of that law. There can be no vagueness when you're talking about depriving people of their liberty. Because it exists already, does it not, with regards to race, colour, nationality, religion, ethnic or national origin. Are are there robust enough laws where people can say nasty things about people in that regard? 
Well, here's what the government has been saying. They've been saying, oh, we're not getting enough convictions in this area. Now, even that sounds to me kind of Orwellian that they want more convictions. But when you actually look at what the Gardaí's statistics show, they examined the level of what they call non-crime hate incidents. And in 2022, there were... 72 or 74. 74? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared yeah. with 55,000 thefts and 22,000 assaults. So it's not as if the guards haven't enough to be doing already for exactly. something and as minuscule o- as and, this. And, and not only that, Neil, but when you actually look at how the Gardaí assess what is a non-crime hate incident, it's entirely subjective. It's, any, it's, it's anything which in the perception of any person is hateful or hostile. Now... That well, could, that's very, that, that's, that's very, very, very vague and very low threshold. Yeah. So, if that's where we're coming from, then we need to be very careful um, of new laws that you know put people at risk of being on the wrong side of the law. Let me be clear. I am against incitement to violence of any kind. It should be a criminal offence. Let me be clear. I am against any harmful incitement to hatred. But you've got to set the standard. And international bodies have said there should be criminal level hate speech. There should be milder hate speech that you can maybe have civil remedies like people suing each other or regulations. And then there's hate speech really that you just have to let go on. There's none of that kind of determination of levels. And here's another thing that's very strange. The Irish Council for Civil Liberties made all sorts of recommendations like I'm making, saying we need to define hatred, for example. It needs to be only a certain threshold that you reach before it can attract criminal law. None of that is in the bill. And yet the Irish Council for for Civil Liberties and the Coalition Against Hate Crime are now, oh, we welcome this legislation. We look forward to being enacted. So it's like the cat has got their tongue, you know? Yeah, would would it involve something that we dealt with on the air here about a week ago, and that was the right to peaceful protest outside an abortion or term Termination clinic would that be um, covered? There is. Would that be a criminal offence? Well, they're they're trying to make it a criminal offence by separate legislation. There, what the two hundred meter thing? One hundred meters. Hundred, sorry. Yeah, and again, I I don't know of any other area, you know, that where people who might want to and let me be clear, peacefully express a message and a message that is respectful of people but differing. Uh, on that point, there is a that is a classic. But you example would say that as pro life. Of course, though. I would. But I mean, there's lots of liberal people who are not, or people who would say I'm. I, I actually regard pro life as the liberal position because it's live and let live. But there's lots of people who would disagree with me about whether abortion would be legal. But you know, the old Voltaire thing. I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. These days, it's no longer Voltaire. It's I disagree with what you say, and I'll fight to the death to prevent you from saying it. Mm. And mm. that's a very unhealthy development in our society. Mm. So what, uh, we're out of time for now, and thank you for coming in. What, what do you encourage people to do with regards to this hate bill? I encourage them to make it hot for their politicians in the nicest possible way by getting on to DTs and senators and say, a, a criminal offence of incitement to hatred, which doesn't define hatred, is unacceptable in a democracy. A radical new definition of gender, which takes us right into the middle of culture wars, right into the area where people are already trying to shut down people's freedom of speech, and where many people have major concerns about the safety of their children, about the difference between men and women, the fact that puberty blockers are wrong, the fact that mutilating people, you know, that there are, you know, young girls, sadly, as a result of transgender ideology in our world today, going around with suture stitches where their breasts used to be. And people are not saying, this is an outrage. People need to be able to ah, But that's only for concern. some who regret it. Others don't regret. Oh, I think there's a huge, there's huge and mounting evidence. There's huge, there's huge 
intelligent mounting evidence that this is a cause of tremendous regret okay. and suffering. Okay, much obliged for you coming in. Make it hot for your politician, he says. In That's the, the independent in the nicest possible way. The independent senator Ronan Mullen from Galway down on Lee side today. Your thoughts on all of those different topics of conversation. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I would come up with, uh, come back to texts and calls after 10, but I was mentioning one of the conversations this morning uh, was uh, the future of RTE Cork and this uh, story that broke at the weekend that they are selling. It's a rebel rebel sell as a story from the Sun today and Jumbo Kearns is writing there are fears that RTE uh, will sell their Cork offices um, where a lot of different shows, in, including um, uh, John Creedon's radio programs, to the best of my knowledge, uh, from the Father Matthew Studios, that they were going to sell, they own that property by all accounts, the old board gosh building, and that they would sell it. Um, and apparently he's saying in The Sun that suspicions of staff were first raised when bosses told them at a meeting two weeks ago that they would be moving to a new rented studio at Albert Key. Uh, Southern staff have not been told if the Cork operation is being downsized or if jobs are at risk. There are about 60 to 70 people working there, split between news, radio, production and the Today Show, which normally runs for eight months of the year. RT issued a statement, which I was sent a copy of, uh, which was actually just released this morning. It's quite short. It's one of the shortest statements I've ever seen. Contrary to speculation, this is the RT statement, contrary to speculation, RT remains fully committed to its operations in Cork. The suitability of the current building for the full range of RT operations is being assessed. Uh, We know it's being assessed because staff were told that it's being sold uh, but the statement is saying that RT remains fully committed to its operations uh, in Cork. Certainly, the programmes that are being broadcast out of Cork are successful programmes. You'll say that much. They all wash their own face with regards to advertising and, indeed, viewership, um, whether it's a lot of... They do an incredible amount of... Rory Cobb does some fantastic work out of RT Cork, actually putting together some great programmes. A lot of them are commissioned programmes. Uh, with big crews and what have you, and they're terrific. Uh, of course, the Today Show is another matter that also uh, rocks it in the uh, viewership uh, every afternoon that it runs. And, of course, what can you say about John Creedon, incredible broadcaster. Mind you, Creedon could broadcast anywhere. He's that good. He could broadcast from a garden shed, for God's sake. He's that good. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And it's Monday, so that means the Monday munchies, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts. It's your opportunity to get, depending on the size of your business, if it's a big business, it could be upwards of five boxes of donuts. That's like 60 donuts, and the Red Patrollers will deliver them this lunchtime, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. And they'll put together boxes of a random selection of donuts, your strawberries and cream, your vegan chocolate cookie, the red velvet, the salted caramel pecan, and the raspberry rhapsody, and many more. So you need to text who you are and where you are, and most importantly, why you deserve this Monday pick-me-up. So text 0868 and we'll do those shout-outs starting in about a half an hour's time. So text 0868 uh, on that one. Um, on the Mallow Road yesterday, about 5pm, there was a massive crash by Rath Duff. There were four ambulances, a fire brigade, and someone airlifted to hospital. Two cars were destroyed. I hope all is okay. It looked very nasty. 
It was a very bad weekend, Neil, on our roads. Yes, it was, and it led also to two deaths in North Cork, one of them on the stretch of the M8 uh, from Mitchellstown south to Fromoy. Somebody, Paddy says, that is a steep downhill. God knows what kind of speed the car was doing in the wrong lane, going not just the wrong lane, but going the wrong way. People are asking if there's an update with regards to Avancore in Middleton. What's the update on the house following on from Friday's programme? Uh, I hope to have an update at some stage this morning on that and check in with the residents uh, as to whether these characters, for want of a better word, have actually left the house uh, and that will be taken back into proper possession. Seamus did visit the estate on Saturday. He says the windows were open, there was no sign of activity and nothing was boarded up as of yet. Then lots on the RTE saga, which uh, we'll come back to in a few minutes' time, considering uh, more, even more developments uh, over the weekend. Uh, but any chance you could drop the RTE saga? It's gone beyond boring. Uh, give it a break, says Sean. Meanwhile, Paddy says, wow, you got to give it to RTE. When they do drama, they do it well. And um, Thank you, Paddy, for that, although I do not agree with you in that regard. I have to say that somebody at the weekend was saying on social media that we hadn't as much entertainment out of RTE on this one since Miley... I won't say what they said, uh, let me put it in a kinder way, since Miley had the affair with Fidelma, although they put it on social media a lot cruder than that. Uh, I don't think there's anything funny about it. I don't think it's entertaining drama at all. I mean, uh, among other things, you could talk to the staff at RTE about it as to what their future is, if there's any truth in this 400 redundancy business. But it's nothing funny when money is being squandered or little side deals in private and invoices are changing hands for extra pay and what have you. There's nothing funny at all about uh, over a hundred and grand on over a hundred grand being spent on uh, taking four advertisers off to the Rugby World Cup in Japan or another hundred and odd grand on 10-year tickets for the Aviva. There's nothing funny about that when you have other people struggling, particularly the very young and the waiting lists for paediatric care for our children who need all sorts of help and early intervention. There's nothing funny about it when you have carers, mothers and fathers looking after their children in what looks like slave-like conditions where the state are not helping or making it so difficult for them to get any help. And it's not funny when you look at a lot of old-age pensioners who are living on tiny amounts of money later in life where they need an awful lot of help where they need an awful lot of um, you know say for instance if you look at it from somebody who's living where they need uh, changes made to their home to make the house a little bit more accessible to be able to get around be able to get up and down steps to be able to put in some kind of a handle or a bar to help them to move around their uh, their family home a little easier but yet they're put on waiting lists there's waiting lists for everything in this country and it's always for the most vulnerable the very young and the very old Uh, It could be something to do with hearing. It could be something to do with sight. It could be something to do with kids' orthodontics. All of these things suffer. Well, at the same time, you people think it's okay for uh, public money to be spent and squandered and all sorts of little grubby, nasty side deals done. Uh, If you find that entertainment, you're alone on it because I certainly don't. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Back to the phone lines. Uh, Trevor Keegan is the chairman of the NUJ RTE sub-branch. You would have also heard my conversation with Senator Mullen just before 10 o'clock this morning and joins me by phone. Trevor, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So, um, this story, um, uh, as as unpalatable as it is, it, it keeps on giving and the papers this morning are speculating with regards to the future of RTE Cork. Now, RTE have just released a statement saying that they remain committed to 
uh, RT Cork. But usually when we hear current statements like that in the political world, it means that the axe is about to fall. What's going on? Well, unfortunately, I can't throw much more light on it, Neil, than what you're reading there from that statement, which was issued about half an hour ago at this stage. Um, now, I do know that the building is too small. The technology within it isn't up to scratch. But then again, that's what we've been saying all week and the last seven days or so across the organisation. There's lots of problems with technology and equipment and buildings. Um, but, I mean, I, in terms of RT Cork's output, it's essential. And the NUJ will be saying it's essential and it has to remain as it is. And, in fact, if we could increase it, even better. But they're doing Trojan work there. Fantastic talent. I overlooked Nationwide is also out of Cork when I was listening to this. Nationwide is, is a newsroom production but has teams divided between Waterford, Cork and Dublin as well. So again, it's the regional diversity, which is what we're looking for across the board. Um, you have the Today Show. I, I can't speak highly enough of them because obviously I appear on it as well, but I know them as a team. I mean, they've done 1,500 hours or shows over the last 10 years. What a phenomenal output. And the, they had never missed one in the whole time they were, you know, the pandemic, hurricanes, snow, whatever it might be, they've never missed one, which I think is a testament to them as a team. Yeah, um, but you equally that could be done on a Dublin. Cork. You have one presenter who comes from Galway and the other who comes from, from Dublin to, to present it. So would it make more sense for it to be out of Dublin, no? No, I wouldn't think so. We still have the Sinead who came up through the ranks from young people, who's a Corkonian and uh, stay, staying in situ. Um, and I don't think where the presenters come from really matters. I think it's about the content and the fact that you have uh, 20 jobs being provided in Cork, adding millions to the local economy yeah. over those 10 years as well. I think yeah. that's all relevant. And that's our audiences need to know that we're not all in this D4 bubble, that they have ownership, a sense of ownership of RTE, that we have content that is relevant to them and not just, you know, kind of the Dublin urban type spread. Um, I think that's absolutely essential and that's why we have these regional offices and studios and you know the more of them the better I say mm. but it's fair to say that um, this was announced to staff a couple of weeks back that they were selling the Albert Key studios this was before uh, the uh, Ryan Tuberley related scandal wasn't it? Yes, they've, they've been looking at the suitability of that particular building. It is quite an old building at this stage. As I said, you know, obviously, with the growth of output from Cork, I mean, not just the likes of the radio shows that John uh, Creed and Lillian Smith do and Ray Cuddy's great, brilliant Misha Fresh and all those kind of shows that come from there. You're increasing output. You're increasing the use of the building, the amount of people within it. It just can't cater for what's there at the moment and what's coming from it. So, yeah, obviously, they do need better and more modern equipment and a building to facilitate that. OK, OK. Um, just on the other topic then... Um Ronan Mullins was talking there this morning about the bill going through the Shannon that will move then to uh, the Dáil regarding capping salaries. Would that be something that the rank and file within RT would be happy with? He, he's talking about maybe maxing it out at 195 grand. Uh, well, the NUJ has been calling for it to be uh, capped at no higher in the NUJ's terms. I think we started calling for this since 2019 officially, but at no higher than the highest paid civil servant who would be the... Um, General Secretary of the, the Department of the Taoiseach, which I think at the moment, now when it was first mooted a few years ago, their pay was lower, but I think at the moment their highest salary is there is about the 215, 216 mark maximum. Um, and I think that will be more than suitable for many of these presenters. As we've said, and as Shuni Rally said in the, in the Dáil, the PAC committee, where are they going? We're bidding against ourselves and we have done so for doe for doe. So I think that needs to stop. And definitely as a, as a union representing members who on 
considerably less and very average pay in many areas of the organisation, we would definitely think that would be in line with the public perception and the public need and certainly the staff needs as well. Okay, but how would they react though, the people who are paid substantially more than that though? Would that have to wait until their contract would expire? There'd be five or six of them straight away that would nearly take a 50% cut. Well, I'm not privy to their contracts. Um, I think the only contracts we're more familiar with lately is um, the former presenter of the Late Late Show's contract, but as regards to the minutiae of contracts of main presenters, particularly in that top 10 tier, um, I'm not too sure what and who has what left on their contracts in terms of, you know, get-out clauses or renegotiating midway through a contract. That's that's above my pay scale, to be honest, at the moment, but um, certainly I think it is something that needs to be looked at. These, I mean, any of those contracts probably don't have more than, you know, two years at most in most cases. If they're only just signed, they might be for a three-year period, I would presume maximum in many instances. So, you know, you will have to buy time in some cases probably, but it can but, still be done. But do you do you fear at all that they might fly the nest, though? Well, to... Neil, we had this conversation. It's, it's actually good. Do you know what? People have been saying this, and that pack as well. Where are they going? Because other organisations don't have big pockets, diversions, the news talks of this world. Yes, they have taken... In, I think somebody made a brilliant point. Two main names in 30 years have left that organisation, and one of them came bouncing back not too long afterwards. So I don't think there is a clatter from and a clamour from the BBCs and the ITVs and the Channel 4s rushing over to Irish shores looking, going, great, they're all out of contract, we'll take all of you. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but if you had Joe Duffy going from three fifty one to one hundred and ninety five grand, Bauer Media, who own this radio station, for instance, and many others, would easily offer him more than that money, or, or Claire Byrne, or Miriam O'Callaghan, or well, somebody. Well, that's like your that. money. Unfortunately, we are working with the taxpayers' money. I think that's where we have to get our house of cards in order. If, if you're a private entity and you have those kind of deep pockets, well, great. I'm delighted for you, and hopefully your staff are also getting remunerated. No, I'm not saying. I'm, don't include me in this. I'm, I'm just a contractor. I'm saying that in the private sector, many no, radio I, I stations saying, in Ireland are owned I mean, by companies that don't even exist in it's, Ireland. It's, it's finite as well, even with the private companies, yeah. and it's finite the amount of um, outlets that have. The, the platforms for these people to jump ship and go to and have a similar platform to then broadcast from. It, this is not, again, you know, this is not us having the barrels pointed at the direction of the top 10 tiers. This is about us being accountable as a company for the money that we're spending. The staff on at the at the lower levels not getting the respect, the remuneration packages that they deserve and not being looked after properly. And it's getting rid of the culture that we're trying to get out of that But it, that well. will definitely happen now, won't it, Trevor? It has shone a light now that ha- this has to be fixed and, rec- and, and rectified, doesn't it? So some good's coming from this for staff, yeah? It's good, but um, the staff, as long as the staff are front and centre of reviews and the change of culture and oversight, yes, it will be a good thing. And I think... The, the kind of with the anger not abating but certainly being more measured uh, in the next few days I think staff even that I've had met staff over the weekend have said to me you know this has to prove good for us in the long run it will be a painful process and you know there's hurt amidst it all and but it will be to the benefit of the organisation to the benefit of the public that that company serves and the benefit of the staff that work for it to bring that content to the public. What about that 400 job redundancy that the Mail on Sunday were talking about yesterday added to the closure of 2FM and selling of 2FM and the closure of Network 2? Well, 
to be honest, I don't, I'm a staff member, so I don't I certainly haven't heard talk yet of redundancies, and I'm not too sure if that's just political kite flying at this stage. Um, in terms of 2FM, 2FM is just as much part of the public remit for that sort of company as... Uh, other stations like, you know, say Lyric and RTE Radio 1 and Output. I mean, you have great content, but we need to cater for younger audiences too. And also, it's doing content that other channels that maybe you know, are in the same commercial realms aren't doing. For instance, the Jenny Green concerts with the RTE Concert Orchestra. That's stuff that just wouldn't get done otherwise. And uh, it's also bringing a whole different genre and, you know, approach to music with the concert orchestra to a younger audience as well, which is also vital to our survival that we engage with our younger audiences. Uh, RT2, uh, yes, it has been floundering in terms of its you know, output and certainly its direction. It was billed a few years ago as a kind of younger alternative channel. I think that necessarily is kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. But RT2 is still vital and it is still a, you know, a, an outlet, for, especially for the sporting events, that we can't broadcast them all on RT1. So yeah, RT2 probably does have a few problems in terms of scheduling and direction, but uh, nothing that's insurmountable either. Yeah, but with, I'm, I'm just posing this question with the, the, the if this is kite flying that you know there's 400 job redundancies, there's 1,800 with within RTE. Do you do you think there are too many and that really it needs to get leaner? Neil, no, there are too few, unfortunately, okay. because staff. We've, the newsroom in particular has been losing a lot of talented young staff, again, be, partly because of the culture. And also there is, um, a, you know, there's a bit of a higher turnover than we would like in terms of staff changing jobs and moving out of the company and moving into maybe the private sector in terms of PR and stuff like that and journalism roles. Mm. But yeah, so there are too few staff to do the jobs. And for, for the content we, that we wish to output, there's still too few staff okay. in, that, in that. And this is not us trying to go, you know what, Whoa, with us. Yes, we work incredibly hard. The perception, unfortunately, is still that a lot of us are getting our pockets lined and we sit around in the canteen and have coffee and chats about whatever. That is not the case. The, the amount of hard-working staff in that building is incredible. Mm. I wish people knew about the minutiae, the stuff that gets saved from you know causing problems to productions. And I, even in my continuity department in RT, the the saves that people make so the programs get to air properly and you know stuff that would have gone wrong otherwise without mm. the kind of stopgap of staff involved. Okay. You, you, you keep mentioning incredible. the word culture. What do you mean by that? The culture? Well, I think we've, we've seen it. I mean, there is a culture of kind of management and staff and a, a dichotomy between the two and a big divide and not necessarily communication and not enough consideration of the hard work that people are giving to the organisation and the conditions in which they're working. So I think that's that's part and parcel of the culture. That's the overall kind of ethos. And, you know, like they were saying last week that um, Noel Kelly had, you know, a direct line to the DG and could get into her office whenever he wanted. Now, I'm not expecting to go to my, you know, it'd be like if you work in a private company, you can't walk into the chief financial officer's uh, office every day you want. But I would expect if I had a problem, that it could at least get to the higher echelons of whatever department I have see. that yeah. solved with. But is it, any wonder that he, is it any wonder that he could when he controlled the purse strings and indeed had all of the serious clients within RTE on his books? And this reverts to the culture. And that's why we've said as a union that we don't want these tripartite agencies and agents involved. Um, that we have to, if people have to negotiate directly with management. So are you saying that done. the staff within the unions in RT want no more agents? No more agents. No more agents. Did not Agents can be fine representing people outside, but when it's public money that these agents are coming in and demanding a high fees for, we have said as a union, we don't want these tri- tripartite kind of agreements happening in future. It has to be a more direct scenario. And 
I, I don't see why that can't happen. And do you want Noel Kelly and indeed Ryan Tuberty before a committee? That's up to them. I mean, I think at the moment we're hearing from who we need to hear from, which is basically the management still needs to answer some questions. That's whether he's being called back. And also, I think it's good that some of the former, like Noel Kern, the former Director General, has been called in, I think, is it this week as well, to the media committee or in the forthcoming weeks. So I think that's good too, that we still have, we still have questions from management and management... You know, Noel is Kelly's, there, Noel Kelly's an agent getting, I'm not going to hold Noel Kelly, uh, I, you know, up against the wall and say this is your fault completely because he's a businessman getting the best deal he thought for his clients, presumably. And they, I mean, if you're a businessman going to an organization and you're getting the best deal for any job that you're, you know, that your, your client is doing, of course you're going to push the boundaries as much as you can. Um, unfortunately, that's the nature of, you know, hard cut and thrust of business. But you can't be doing it with our money because we're a tax you know, mm. taxpayers funded organisation. There is a commercial arm, obviously, which obviously has come under the spotlight as well. Is there any more but, to see? I mean, we, we know of the 275 grand for trips to the Rugby World Cup, the Champions League final and the 10-year tickets for the IRFU. And then at the weekend, the list of RT stars given cars up to worth up to 70 grand. That, that must sit very badly with staff on 35 or 40 grand a year. It sits badly, but unfortunately... It is part and parcel of the contractor scenario. These people would argue, I presume, and I've been a contractor in the past, that you don't have, now I was on the lower echelons and I was only just basically providing services as a freelance and that was a bogus self-employment thing, which is separate and has been sorted out. Yeah. But these people are, they're not PAYE workers, they're not, you know, they're not getting pension benefits from RT, etc., etc. So of course they're going to go and make business deals where they can earn money from personal appearances. And But this isn't you, this is going back you know, this is going back to Gabo's day. Of course, he was able to go off and he was on three-month contracts, I think, rolling contracts back in his time. So, obviously, you know, for, for tenure of security in terms of providing for these people's families and, you know, mortgage payments, etc., they have them too. They have to go off and do private deals and do sponsorship and make money on their their prominence and their fame while it lasts because it is, as you know, a fickle and cyclical business and while somebody may be riding high now, they may fall down with a bump and not be good currency in the future. So I think we can't really go the wrong to get the best deals and best uh, appearance fees, etc. Okay. Because they have to make money while the hay shines. Okay. You talk about somebody taking a fall. I'm not a fan of pylons. And there is a part of me that feels very sorry for Ryan Tuberty in spite of questions that need to be answered regarding... The, the 75 grands here and there and, and, and things like that. Um, but there's a question in the Sunday Independent yesterday. Do you think Ryan Tuberty should be back on RT at some stage in the future? 47% said no, never. Um, do you or the union have a thought on that as to whether Ryan Tuberty would be welcomed back in the future? To be honest, as a union, we have been too busy representing staff to actually, you know, give kind of, kind of, kind of public announcements on Ryan. I have said all along, this is not a Ryan witch hunt. The mistakes were made, um, and I think that will have to be learned from. It's probably more of a crisis of conscience for Ryan, whether or not he can try and make it back onto the airwaves in some guise. Um, but certainly, I think, you know, at the moment, I think it, there is there's a lot of focus last week on the editorial side of things, saying, is, well, why is Ryan off air? He hasn't done anything wrong. And no, he hasn't done anything wrong, but he is the, the, in the eye of a storm. And I think that will bring too much, you know, ire on him as a presenter. If he's on a show and he's presenting it and he's reading the papers every morning and he's, he's on that front page of the paper, yeah. really it's not practical I understand to take that. to be on No, I, I understand. But um, what, has the temperature been taken within RT as to whether he would be welcomed back by 
fellow colleagues? To be honest, Neil, as a as a union body, we haven't. We had a meeting on Friday, and it, it, you know the issues are wider and deeper than that that we were were discussed. Um, yeah, and I think that the wider issue is the culture and uh, how traffic staff are treated, and you know just the openness and transparency. I mean, it's, I know the word is flouted around quite a lot, but it's so important because if it doesn't happen. We're just thinking, basically. Okay, Trevor, thank you so much. Uh, do stay in touch. Trevor Keegan is the chairman of the NUJ RT sub branch. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gorks Red FM. Gareth O'Callaghan published uh, online last night. I hope Ryan Hubbard is sitting down with his agent this weekend telling him how he's destroyed his career by trying to be too clever with taxpayers' money. The only way back from this appalling state of affairs for Ryan Tuberty is to publicly get rid of his agent and appear on his own before the media committee and the public accounts committee and tell both groups everything. If he didn't know all of the details before, then he definitely knows them by now. That would be proper accountability as expected for him. Uh, Without any further delay, he needs to distance himself from agents. He needs to go public. His agent is no longer of benefit to him whatsoever and he needs to be seen that he no longer has anything to do with agents. Um, and incidentally, he also says, Hopper and Tuberty realises this, and this, and the time is of the essence here, and it is rapidly running out. If he doesn't make the decision quickly and publicly, in my opinion, there is no way back from him. For, he also said then, last night, a journalist I've never known from a tabloid newspaper called me earlier asking me to declare my income. I told him I'm paid €250 Euro for my Saturday radio show before the PAYE and USC kick in. And the journalist didn't believe me. After the expenses of travelling to and from Dublin and the studio each week from Cork in our car and the tax I pay, my take-home wage is about €110 for the show. Now officially declared, says he. Doesn't say who the journalist was, nor the tabloid tabloid, uh, newspaper. I'd be interested to know who's calling private broadcasters now asking about their wages. Um, I I thought I might have had an opportunity to talk to Gareth, but he's not in a position to talk to me this morning, and that's fair enough. But Jumbo Karen certainly is, and he's the man who broke the story regarding RT Cork uh, in many of the red tops this morning. I have a copy of the mirror in front of me, and Jumbo joins me by phone. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Um, interestingly, uh, looking at the Sunday Independent yesterday, uh, there are so many questions that remain unanswered, but we do know now that nearly 30% of people who up to now paid their television licence are now intending not to pay it. What do you make of that? Uh, well, I'm not surprised to you. You know, I mean, I think with the events of the past week, um, you know, many people are disillusioned with uh, with RTE and probably a little bit disappointed in, in Ryan Tuberty, who they had, a, you know, who they kind of had in their own head, um, uh, a relationship with a great respect for them and there was a trust that was there and a bond that was there, you know. Uh, but I think, look, there was a lot of questions about the licence fee over the last few years. You know, I was hounded myself here because I hadn't paid the licence fee and I had a fella at my door twice, an ex-priest who collects the licence fee from post in this area here around Terman Beckett. And then when I went over to the village to pay it, yeah, the woman there said, oh, yeah, man, the priest must be around because he's after hitting about 100 people and they've all been in in the last two days. Was it that you so, forgot or you just were a conscientious no, objector? I just kind of forgot about it. Uh, you know, look, I, I'd no issue paying the licence fee personally. I think, you know, when you look at what you pay for Sky or 
you know, Netflix and 160 quid for the year to me for RTE overall. I thought it was good value for money, you know. Yeah, but is that not changing now when you hear of uh, Champions League trips and you hear of uh, Rugby World Cups in Japan? And Well, absolutely. Well, I would to, to most punters when they see what happened, you know, when they see the, the, the people going, six executives going to the World Cup. Well, they weren't just executives, they were advertising clients as well. But the money that was spent was outrageous. They should never be in those trips. But I think the one that got everyone was the bus to take them from the restaurant from Condra. You know, a five-minute walk, you know, to Crow Park to U2. There was 40 people on, at that dinner and on the bus and got free tickets. And, you know, so many of them were RTE staff and then there was clients. And the idea, like, you'd, you'd hire a bus to take you. So those five minutes, you know, you'd walk from the restaurant to, to Crow Park in a couple of minutes would have taken longer to go on the bus mm. and that really really annoyed people but it's it's things like that that really upset them you know the golf club outing you know that would have cost them 30, 30,000 at least the, you know having 75 people being wined and dined at the K Club but look they would say to commercial people, these are the things you have to do to bring in the ad revenue and to keep the advertising industry happy. But then it gave them a big advantage against the rest of, of the private me, independent media mm. operators like yourselves, like the Mirror, like the Star, like the Sun, like the independent newspapers, like the Irish Times, because they were using tax Yeah, but in money. fairness, we, we do know that newspapers them. for years have a whining and dining account for sources and contacts and things like that. So come on. They, they don't have whining and dining accounts there. The journalists were able to go out, you know, and bring a contact out for lunch and buy them a couple of drinks. But there's a difference between 40 or 50 quid or 60 quid bringing somebody out for lunch and, and spending, you know, and that's private company money. It's not taxpayers' money. Then go and spend 40 or 50 or 60 grand or 120 grand of taxpayers' money to go to the World Cup. Mm. Mm. And there's a huge difference. And by the way, the days of lavish expenses in newspapers are well and truly gone. You know, as they are, I'm sure, with independent broadcasters. The way it is, the accountancy practices are now so tight that every last penny is, is justified because all these independent media companies are all operating on very, very small margins. And the pot is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Where, where we're at now, though, say, for instance, with regards to Ryan Tuberty and indeed Noel Kelly, do you, and, and obviously careful what we say, but do you know either or both of them? Well, I've known Ryan Tuberty. I'm just actually writing a piece about Ryan here for my column tomorrow. I know Ryan Tuberty. Um, I think I spoke to Noel Kelly once, had a row with him on the phone or something, and it turned into a shout match. Uh, but, you know, I believe he's a very good agent. I don't know him as an individual. I'm sure he's a fine fellow. I believe he, 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 he fights for his clients, and you respect that. You know, he does his job, and that's to make as much money for his clients. You know, but I would look at it. He's obviously got far too many clients in RTE, he's got far too much say in RTE, in my opinion, and far too much uh, power. And I think it was, not that he did that wrong, but I think it was an unhealthy relationship with somebody has that much leverage with so many stars and dealing, with, in my view, with a very incompetent management. I mean, if I was dealing with Noel Kelly and negotiating with him and all his stars, the conversation would last about 10 minutes because my view would have been very simple. I'd be budget here. This is what I'm paying your guy A, B or C. If you don't like it, get it. there's the door. Yeah. Don't bring them to work somewhere else. But hold, but hold on. You then, oh, the, you then overnight would have been the boss of Woodham responsible for getting rid of Ryan Tuberty, Claire Byrne, Joe Duffy, no, they'd have all to, gone. They'd have, full, they'd have to fulfill the contracts, Neil, and then they'd be gone. You know, they've contracts there that they would have to fulfill. You but know. then, but then, uh, your mirror or your son would be having headlines like um, RTE lose Ryan Tuberty for seventy-five grand a year. 
Yeah, but hang on a second. Yeah, but at the same time, it's taxpayers' money and they can't be screwed to the wall, you know? And, and the way they operate, I felt, was wrong, you know? But there was nobody coming in with blank checks uh, to, to give Roy Tuberty a job or Joe Duffy a job or Claire Bourne a job. TV3 or Virgin operates on, on salaries that are fraction, probably a third of what RTE are paying their stars. You know that and I know that. Yeah. Now, getting back to Roy Tuberty, I've met Roy Tuberty on a number of occasions. I found him to be a, a very decent uh, individual, very nice guy. Uh, he would never pass you without saying hello. I've often been him. O'Donoghue was on a wedding night in Dublin, and he'd be out there having a few points. He always got a good relationship with his with his fellow hacks. He, he never had himself out there up on some big pedestal looking down his noses at people, to be fair to the mm. chap. Uh, you know, and in many ways, I, I can't for the life of me. You know, I'd love to hear his side of the story. I really do. Do you think that's important? I can't, for the life of me, I can't for the life of me understand how he's found himself in this situation. And I don't think it was probably deliberate, and I don't think it's greedy. He never came across the greedy type. I don't know whether it was naivety or that he trusted his agent too much. And I know no Kelly's, you know, has been good for him over the years. So I just don't know. I just love to know, you know, his side of the story, you know. Now, I had a go with him last week that he should have come out um, you know, on my column, he should have come out and, and told the truth. And I think his fourth statement, he was very, very badly advised. Again, his second statement didn't cut it. He just needs to come out, you know, sit down, embrace the people and tell them what in the name of God would have. Look, Ryan Tuberty has made a mistake. He hasn't killed anybody. Mm. He's made a mistake. He's probably done more damage to himself or anything else. Mm. Or mistake has been made in relation to Ryan Tuberty. We don't know whether it Ryan made the mistake or somebody made the mistakes in relation to him, mm. right? But this whole thing of dancing on his, on, his, on his grave and all this, that his career is finished, I just don't really buy into that, uh, you know, and, and I don't agree with the piling, which I don't, you know, and I just genuinely, you know, uh, I've often been at the receiving end of one on and off at various times mm. and it's not nice. And, 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 and the intensity and scrutiny on him in the past week for him and his family has been horrendous. You know, but I would really like him, and I would appeal to him to come out, whether it's to come before the dog to me, or just call a press conference, call everybody in, sit there in front of the camera, do what he does best, and just tell everybody what happened, and put his hand up, and if he has made a mistake, do a mea culpa, and, and just let's all move on. Mm-hmm. But I think the ramifications, it's not really going to be about Ryan Tuberty, it's about the RTE management, and the absolute uh, incompetence the arrogance, right? And it's really those two words, incompetence and arrogance. Mm. It's just breathtaking. I think the appearance of the, those executives before the dog committees last week just opened up the eyes of the nation. And you kind of think to yourself, you know, my God, you know, like they just had a real difficulty telling us what was going on. Mm. Okay. But the truth is they weren't working in the private sector. You know, if you're working in the private sector, you're entitled to keep your wages, your salary private. But if you're working for the public and you're taking taxpayers' money, you know, they've got a right to know what you're being paid. Okay. You know, okay. people were just, you know, looking looking at all of that. It was, you know, it was probably the best TV shown on RTE in years. Yeah, I know I know that has been said in the past, but for people struggling or for people looking for help or intervention with things going on in their lives, it must be very, very depressing for them to see these confetti being thrown around like Monopoly money. And well, when, just, you're struggling, when you're struggling... Uh, to pay your mortgage and interest rates have gone up for nearly six, seven months in a row. And when you're struggling to feed your kids, 
you know, and you're trying to get the money together uh, to pay the 100 quid for the school now next year. Or well, it could be a bit of home help that might be needed, or it might be a carer's allowance that Absolutely. might be needed. Absolutely, and you see all this money being wasted. You know, no wonder people are angry. But if you look at the whole of the public sector, not just RTE, everywhere, look at the, you know, everywhere, there's no, doesn't seem to be any controls of the public force. Look at the HSE. We're looking at a cost overrun of 1.7 billion this year. 1.7 billion. It's just madness. And still the health service is, is, is not adequate and it's incompetence. You know, you look at the National Children's Hospital. It, you know, it's the spend so far has been 1.7 billion again. Yeah. Different one point, And that's going to end up at about two and a half billion. Yeah. So all this public money in this country is just being wasted. So there's no wonder people are sitting at home and they're pulling the hair out of the head. That's the bigger issue here. Finally, before I let you go, you broke the story uh, over the weekend regarding RTE Cork. Um, are, yeah. are, are you suggesting this is the beginning of the end of it, or do you take it well, at face I, I value that they need a bigger business premises? Well, I think I think there needs to be clarity on it. I think RTE been out today uh, trying to deny the story, but I think there's no doubt uh, the staff were told they were moving to one Albert Key um, into rented offices there. Um, and that the building was going on the market. I think my understanding is my RTE source is that two estate agents in Cork um, were, were, were contacted about that. What the staff don't know and need to be told is whether they are planning to downgrade RTE in Cork or whether they're going to keep it what, what they are and move to a, a more modern building. But you have to ask yourself, why would you go renting the building when you already own the building? And why would you sell the building that you own when you've got no Because uh, apparently so, this is too small, the roof is leaking, it needs an awful lot of work, and it's just not worth the investment. Yeah, well, that's what they need, RTE, need to go to explain to their staff. Because the staff in Cork are worried about all of this. And nobody has probably ex- properly explained to them what the plan is. Mm. It's mm. typical of RTE management, which is keep everything to yourself and don't tell anybody. So, you know, there's something going on there, and, and people are concerned, and certainly nobody would want to see, you know, RTE and Cork being downgraded. It's the second city in the country, and it shouldn't be downgraded. You know, but, you know, we don't know what the plan is when an RTE management is. Okay. They're all talking about saving money, so they need to come out and, and absolutely tell the staff what is going on, and if they are moving to new premises, or is it a temporary thing, and they're going to do up and, and invest money in the existing premises. Just finally, most definitely finally, one of the questions in the Sunday Independent yesterday was whether RTE's top talent, as they use the term, should have their salaries capped. 24% of people said yes, they should be paid no more than 150,000. 23% said they should be only paid 100,000. Do you, would you think, I mean, say for instance with regards to newspapers or, or magazines, um, different people are paid different amounts of money depending on their draw. Do you think that they should be capped? I think people should be paid what they're worth. I always maintain that in, in, in journalism. You know, I don't think if one guy is a brilliant reporter who brings in loads of stories should be saying the same salary as somebody who's just an average reporter who brings in very uh, yeah, very few stories. So I don't fully agree with that everyone has to be paid the same salary. I think they have to decide what the worth and what the max is. I think some of those salaries have been hugely inflated. You know, I think you should probably have a capital around 200 grand. You know, okay. but there's huge resentment within RTE. You must remember, RTE is a very, you've told me, it's a very poisonous place. You speak to anyone who's worked there. There's huge egos. There's huge competition. You know, everybody is in it for themselves. And 
you know, all of them, anyone who's up and coming, they all want to be signed by, you know, the man they're all giving out, that Mr. Noel Kelly. Yeah. And they all want to get as many freebies and, you know, get the house done up for nothing and get a free car and free this and free that. But God, when I was editor of the mirror, I wouldn't take free at because I was very conscious that mm. I had to be impartial. Mm. I wouldn't go with a freebie, no mm. more than yourself. Mm. I just paid me own way mm. because I wouldn't have it said that, you know, I was on somebody's payroll. You know, or somebody had influence with me, and that's why I always kept the distance from politicians. I never socialised with them, and I'm sure you're exactly the same, mm. because I wanted to keep that semblance of impartiality. Mm. I don't think they'd socialise with me anyway, but that's for another day. Oh, oh Neil, now, Neil, you're a good company. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks for taking the call, as always, John. Jumbo Cairns. Uh, it's a lot of coverage with uh, Jumbo in all of the red tops today and indeed over the weekend. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 104 106. I'll go back to the phone lines, I promise, in a minute, just after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. Cindy, this RT scandal is just a deflection from other issues. Maybe you could talk about why the social welfare are posting leaflet to people's houses, asking people if they'd give a refugee a room. This has been the government's agenda all along. Another one, my wife is, is always right, even when she's wrong. The government is laughing because this is deflecting away from their incompetence with all that's going on in RTE, says Pat and Blackrock. Why did the government sell shares in the bank and for the first time they're holding less than 50%. How do we allow this to happen? Is the RTE fiasco the smokescreen to distract the public? Uh, another one, the government and the people of Ireland seem to have short memories. How can the government give out about Ryan Tuberty being paid under the table when the entire cabinet is fleecing us blind anyway? They live in Dublin, claim mileage for their home counties, or else they're renting out houses and not declaring their income. They have some neck trying to crucify RTE, what they've been doing for decades themselves. One final one, if the unaccounted €345,000 payment was never revealed, Ryan Tuberty would be still living the life of Riley and saying nothing about it. Forbes may be in ill health, but she must answer for the debacle at some stage. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines we go. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, so park the culture within RTE and pick up the culture within the HSE. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it's the same culture. If you look at it, um, was it uh, when Reed, um, Glynn, and Donahue, was it Donahue that were there for the um, pandemic? Right, it came out afterwards that um, Paul Reed had a car, yeah, a, dr- a driver, yeah, expense account, yeah, and then when I think he was in charge or thereabouts, when the uh, computers went down. Anybody fired? Anybody let go? Anybody? Anybody uh, held, as we say, anybody held, held accountable? Account? Yeah. Yeah. No, and the answer is no. And you believe that there's a mismanagement of public funds in across in, the board? Yeah, across the across board. the board. Yeah. Because it's this um, idea of don't worry about it. It's taxpayers. It's not our money. Do what you like with it. Mm, mm. It's easy to spend other people's money. Mm. And as long as you have that culture in there and the people in there, it's like turkeys won't vote for Christmas. Um, they're going to stay there and they're going to keep doing what they're doing because no one has told them to do any different. Yeah, but is this not the catalyst for change now? Um, or, course, will, will we, or will we just tire and get bored of this? People undoubtedly yeah. will get bored of this subject and just move on. I, well, I think the fact that Ryan Tuberty was centre and front as in not in the money but 
as in the name. Yeah. This really brought it to the front pages of papers, radios, televisions, mm. right? Mm. And I think people now are saying, just a minute now, we thought he was a nice guy. And at the end of the day, and he was right, I suppose, in one way, is I'll take what I can, when I can, how I can. For he, depending on how much he knew about it, you see. He uh, well, come on, no, Neil. Come on, come on, come on. I mean, don't tell me now that a man of his intelligence didn't know that what they were saying he was getting and what he was getting, he didn't know. And now they're saying that it was, uh, this came to light three years ago. If he were to come out and, f- and, f- and actually say this with words as opposed to a statement which he apologised for not speaking about it sooner, would it be all right then if he just came out and spoke? Yeah, I believe that Ryan Toberty Tur- and um, Kelly are probably sitting down with the uh, solicitors and the, the next I think you'll hear from them would be a solicitor's letter like Forbes is is probably doing as well. Yeah, and okay. they won't they won't come in front of the television or the and account for because if you're explaining, you're losing, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you're, you're giving them more than uh, more ammunition to to hit you with. Mm, okay. So they're going to shut up. They're going to put their legal advisor up centre on front, and they're well and capable of doing that too. Okay, my friend, thank you for that. Te- or your call, appreciate it. Text 0868 if you want to get involved in the conversation. That and lots more besides after 11 this morning. Um, there are a lot of other topics that we've been dealing with of late and uh, some of them are unrelated to the scandal involving uh, RTE or those people involved in this. Uh, one has to do with dangerous driving. And of course, over the weekend, we had all sorts of horrible um, tragedies on the side, well, the greater county of Cork, sadly. Uh, I'm so da- I'm so glad that dangerous driving is being highlighted uh, on your program recently. I travel from Bandon to Little Island Monday to Friday, and the amount of dangerous road users is unbelievable each day. Here's a typical example from yesterday: there was a girl driving ahead of me, brushing her hair for approximately ten minutes in moving traffic, even continuing to brush her hair while approaching a roundabout. I beeped at her and put my hand up to tell her to stop. But no, she just continued for several more minutes. Travelling to Little Island, I used the left lane before the Jack Lynn's Tunnel. I would say I see four to six cars each day jumping from the left to the right lane in the tunnel. I know, it's scary, isn't it? What people do in the tunnel. It is so dangerous. Uh, Your caller on the air, another one, your caller on the air saying the Gardaí have everything on the system in the patrol car is talking absolute nonsense. No such system exists, says a serving Garda. That was criticism of somebody who saw uh, a member of the force on a mobile phone while driving and saying, there's no need for that. It's so computerised within the Garda car, they don't need to do that. A serving guard is saying, not true. A story related to me about the guardie from a security man. A young lady appeared outside, outside the city hall at 3 a.m. 3 one morning. The security man approached her and asked her if she was okay. She said she was, but the security man was generally concerned about her and called the guards. He outlined his concerns and left them to do their job. It didn't take long for both a male and female guard to appear and successfully deal with the situation. So please, Neil, credit for the guardie where it is due. Absolutely. Um, she probably didn't know where she was. She probably was in some way, shape or form confused 
and needed the intervention of the security guard and indeed the intervention of Angarda Shikona. I was behind a guard at the lights at the junction of the Lower Glanmire Road and Penrose Wharf opposite St. Patrick's Church. He drove through the red light and parked up further down the road at a fast food outlet with two more guardie on bikes. You're always going to get stories like that about guardie calling to fast food restaurants and stuff like that. Can I, can I tell you a story? You may be interested in this. You're talking about people on our roads, right? Or indeed, it's not the woman brushing her hair because she clearly wasn't angry. But you meet so many angry people when you're driving, don't you? Um, like I was up in Wicklow at the weekend, um, just, you know, visiting various locations there. Glenda Locke being amongst them, uh, you know, the whole Sally Gap and, you know, the, the Wicklow Way. And God, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful county. Is anybody listening to me from Wicklow this morning? You should be so proud of your county. It is just beyond beautiful. Not as beautiful as Cork, incidentally, but, you know, pretty close second. But anyway, that's, that's not the point. You talk about angry people. I was coming back down through the tolls, right? And, and on my way up for some, maybe somebody can explain this to me. Maybe it's happened to somebody else before, but I drive a car, right? So it's just a regular car. Okay, it's got a big engine in it, but it's still just a car. Um, but for some reason, the tolls have begun to read my car as a van or something like that. Because instead of the two euro, it keeps asking for three euro eighty. So going up, this happened, right? So I pushed the button. I put in my two euro and it looked up at the screen and it said I still owed one eighty. So I pushed the button and lo and behold, the barrier went up and I drove on and that was fine. But coming back down... The, on the, the the further up toll, which is not the Watergrass Hill one, the one way up the country, I was coming back, and again the same thing happened. Um, it read three euro eighty, and I had put in at this stage it was two euro ten, and went up ten cent overnight. So I put in the two euro ten, and it was still looking for one seventy, um, and the button was broken, right? So it said, dial this number, an 085 number. So I, I just dialed the number, just wondering, you know, what, what am I going to do? Now, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, right? Because there's a guy behind me blowing, 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 blowing. Uh, I, I wasn't stopped maybe 15 or 20 seconds and he starts blowing. Um, and then I'm talking to the woman on the phone and saying, look, I, I put in the money. It keeps on trying to get more money. Can you just put the barrier up and maybe sort it out? But your man gets out of the car, right? He storms up the side of his car and then the side of my car and he slaps one euro seventy into the basket uh, and he gets back into his car and starts blowing the horn again, right? And no sooner had he sat into the car than this um, woman who was talking on the phone said, just give me the reg and we'll sort it. It was only about another 10 or 15 seconds. Job done, she put the barrier up and I started moving. He's still blowing like an absolute raging lunatic for something that only took about, I don't know, 40 seconds, maybe 50 seconds, perhaps a maximum of a minute. I'm, I'm sure he thought that maybe I didn't have money or couldn't pay or was doing something like that. When all I was trying to find out was, why does it keep on asking me to pay twice what I should be? My point being, though, really, is that people just get so angry and so impatient and I couldn't help but thinking, what must it be like to live with that guy in real life on a 24-7 basis with anger like that? Anyway, your thoughts. Text 868 Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the news.
Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And right across this week, we have great opportunities for you to uh, have some afternoon tea with Prosecco at the Carrigaline Court Hotel in their beautiful Sally's Tea Room at the four-star Carrigaline Court Hotel. And uh, every single day this week, we have a fabulous opportunity for you to take whomever you choose, a table for four of you for afternoon tea with Prosecco every day this week. And you can catch up with family or indeed friends, handcrafted sandwiches, freshly baked scones, delectable desserts, freshly brewed tea or coffee. Um, and uh, it's one. And also, oh, hang on, on Friday then, we have an upgraded prize which is for 22 people. So Sally's Tea Room can cater up to 22 people and can be hired privately for all occasions. So our Friday giveaway is the private hire of Sally's Tea Room for for afternoon tea for 22 people. That's not all. Plus an overnight bed and breakfast for two, including dinner on the evening of the afternoon tea. So it's a beautiful prize, great prize all week with a table for four for afternoon tea and on Friday an upgrade 22 people and overnight with dinner as well. So what are we asking? Interesting question. <laughs> We're asking, what three famous people uh, would you invite to your afternoon tea? Uh, to be absolutely accurate about it, what three famous people, dead or alive, would you invite to your afternoon tea? So you can text 86 or pick up the phone and call 0818 And the most entertaining stories, uh, in, you know, it can be any kind of an entertaining type story, um, uh, wins the prize on a daily basis and indeed Friday's prize as well. So 86 by text. What three famous people, dead or alive, would you invite to your afternoon tea and why? Okay, equally important. Text 0868104106. We got texts and calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. And it's Monday Munchies, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts. Let me do some shout outs and we'll pick a winner a little later on this morning. You still have 15 minutes to text who you are and where you are and most importantly, why you deserve this Monday pick me up. Depending on the size of the business, up to five boxes, like 60 donuts, which you can share with colleagues or other businesses, whatever you want. Courtesy of yourselves and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. Christine Hartnett from O'Connell's Butchers at the Lock. I'm the only girl working with all boys today. Donuts would pick me up. Well, you certainly have a cross to bear there, don't you, uh, Christine? Uh, please let the uh, doctors and nurses and staff at the Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic at the CUH have the donuts today. If anyone, they deserve a treat for the fantastic work they do. For the Pet Stop Kinsale Road, staff love some donuts. I'd give them a big treat. A great bunch working here and a big shout out to Roger and the gang. To everyone at ILC Dover in Blarney, particularly Room 8. We work very hard and would clear up the Monday blues nicely, says Elaine. Uh, Michael's down in Carrick Tool. He said, I love the munchies. I was at longitude at the weekend and I'm dying in work. The munchies would definitely help power through the day. <laughs> There's always a price to be paid for a bit of parting, isn't there? ML Scaffolding Services. Uh, we're working with the Mornan on O'Shea site in Ballincollig and there's a lot of hungry lads on site. We could do with a pick-me-up for lunch along with the Builder's Brew, I suppose. Uh, Power Haulage and Carrick Tool desperately need a delicious dose of donuts to face the week ahead. Donworth and Company in Forge Hill. Our team are working so hard to close the end-of-month sales. <laughs> Hang on a second. It's the 3rd of July. The month is gone. Andrea and Sinead at St. Mary's Primary Healthcare. We'd love these. Nice pick-me-up for the staff on a gloomy Monday. And just a few more. The paramedics. 
in Cork City, in Kinsale Road Ambulance Station, they could do with a sugar rush after a busy few days. Yes, I'm afraid it was a very busy few days for our paramedics. A lot of tragedy on our roads. Not to mention the misfortunate man down west, down west and uh, Cape Clear. Um, you know, falling and oh, tragedy. Free donuts for Chris and the gang at uh, the crazy monkey skate and repair shop in Church Road. They moved into a new house and they've just come back from the dump getting rid of lots of stuff and they're starving. Kilsarin Concrete in ovens, working hard to get stone to the building sites and Sunbeam Vets. Uh, they're a fabulous, brilliant business. Sunbeam Veterinary Hospital. Uh, donuts working 24-7 from morning to late at night. Uh, so we'll do one more bunch of shout-outs. So you need to text who you are and where you are and why you deserve this Monday uh, pick-me-up, these Monday munchy treats from Offbeat Donuts. Text who you are and where you are to 86 I will come back to text from this morning's programme, some of the topics that we've dealt with already this morning. But as a front page are making the independent this morning that caught my eye. They're talking about tenants out in Noonan's Road who say that their housing is unsafe, they've been completely abandoned by Cork City Council, uh, and their houses are unfit for human habitation. And indeed, in some of the cases, they are suffering with repeated infestations of rats and mice, not to mention leaking roofs and all sorts of problems with mould, which is very dangerous in a home, mould, particularly for young children and the elderly. So, just to find out how accurate and truthful that is, to the phone lines we go. Rimgita, good morning. Good morning. They were telling me that, firstly, you live with your three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Kayla, in a flat that you are sharing also with your parents. Is that right? Yes. It says that you've had no heating for a long, long time. No, we haven't. It'll be our third winter now with no heating in the house. So, your heating hasn't worked in three years? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, And forgive me for saying this at this hour of the morning, but neighbours are telling me that rats are eating their clothing. Yes. Yes, that's true. They've been rats going into their house and eating their clothes, and they'd wake up, they'd find rats right next to them in the bed, and I, I, I don't know. I think it's just disgusting. You've spoken with other residents out there of public authority housing, where they wake up with the rats in the bedroom. Yeah. Have you? No, well, they, there has been um, there has been mice coming in, but only a certain area. But we've covered the area, but you know, but like it's still disgusting. Like they would be coming in during the summer times. Um, the the mice and it's just it's just unsafe. It's just it's just not right, you know. Mice it's is disgusting. bad enough, but rats are a lot worse. Yes. Well, just dealing with the heating system. Are you not perished in the winter? Oh, we'd be froze. We'd have to turn on the little heater inside my room for my daughter to be warm. But um, other than that, we are have the fireplace on downstairs. But um, other than that, we'd be freezing. We'd have to put a few layers on ourselves just to be warm. So the fact that you've had three winters or three years without the heating system working means that the pre- properties get damp, right? Yes, mould and ev- everything coming up on the walls. There's cracks in the walls. It's just... Um, the apartments are just not done well. And have you been on to City Council about it? I mean, oh yes, I've been. I've been ringing them, and I've been going into the offices, and they've been ignoring. And I've been ringing them; they've been ignoring. Um, that they said they'd ring me; they've never rang me. It's just really being ignorant. Nothing's been done. So nobody is it. Is it one central heating system that that, that operates the sixty homes? 
Like you don't have all have independent heating. There's is it one big furnace or one big boiler or something for the apartment? Um, well, we all have our own heating. Some people down here have heating. Some people don't have heating. Yeah, I know. I know. I know the flats that we're talking about quite well on on Noonan's Road. Yeah. Um. There's about sixty in total. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let me just let me also just talk to William O'Brien. Actually, he's a community activist out in the Balafihan area. He could probably shed some more light on it. William, good morning. Morning, Neil. Do you know Rigmita? Yes, um, myself and uh, Donald, the reporter, um, met her during the week. Um, okay. Yeah, it's Donald O'Keefe's yeah. story in the Echo, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we we actually had planned to meet somebody else, but she was actually a bit ashamed to let us in. Yeah. Why would why were you ashamed, Rimgita? Because no, we're all the, because we're all the mold, and if there's mice, like I, I wouldn't even want to bring my friends in here. Do you know, like it's just embarrassing for me yeah. to think what my friends would be thinking. Do you know? Yeah. Does your daughter get sick? She does. She does get sick now, and it's very bad. Do you know, especially winter. Turns out there's no heating and mold coming on top of it, and you could smell it. Okay. 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 William, you're saying Rimgita wasn't the woman who was ashamed to let somebody in. It was another parent, was it? Yeah, and uh, I, I, I was speaking to your colleague there, Kevin, and he said he'd uh, take the pictures from my Facebook page. Um, I met that lady who was saying that she had um, three years of no response from Cork City Council um, about the mould, and I think that was one of the worst um, that I saw myself, you know. It was just jet black. I mean, you know, curtains being thrown out every couple of months, uh, blankets that would be up against, the, you know, because the rooms are tight. Um, she just felt embarrassed that she couldn't bring us in. So we went, we went on a walkabout, and we were looking for our safety, really, because we were advised that there was a lot of trip hazard uh, objects hanging off roofs. But when we made our way over by Remigida's house, she invited us in. And the first thing um, Donald mentioned was that, oh, my God, you keep your place in, you know, lovely condition. And then, obviously, she brought us to the areas that, you know, were of concern. And unfortunately, she did break down with us. Um, we did give her a bit of, a bit of time to start, you know, getting herself back together and... And her, her small one was actually in the room and she was saying that she's pregnant as well. Um, and myself and Donald, it kind of gave us a talk in our heart because we were like, this is it, like, you know, this is what people are living in today. Three three years yeah. of, of no heating? I mean, I'm looking at some of the photographs that we're sharing on Twitter now um, of the because they, they come with balconies, a lot of them, cause they, like a, because of the stairwell up to the top apartments. Like, they are rotten, rotten through the concrete. Yeah, and I, so I was actually with Donald and I pressed the concrete because I was there the week previous and I knew more debris had fell down because obviously people do their best to keep their areas clean in the balconies and the communal areas. And I pressed it and it fell off and he goes, that's a very good example that it's defective. It just fell onto the ground. Um, and as he said, with things as they are, with the government, um, with the Housing for All programme, their overall objective, Neil, is that every citizen in our state should have access to good quality homes. But is it is it is it that they're earmarked for demolition, perhaps? Well, there's been a lot of talk over the last three or four years, e- even during COVID, um, about what should be done with them, about retrofitting them or knocking them down. So it's kind of like, it might cost more to retrofit them or it might cost more to knock them down. So that's, that's what the local area committee... But they're starting to fall down of their own volition. Like, I'm looking at the fascia and soffit and the rotten wood... Not to mention, like you can't, you can't just wash away mold. You know, it will return, 
and it, it will get the spores will get into your lungs. You'll get very sick from things like that. Yeah, and one girl, she's you know she's only after recovering from cancer, um, and there's very resilient people living there, and they're they're very neighbourly. Like they look out for each other. Um, and what's happening is that they have no voice. You know, they just feel that um, there's been a total lack of respect for everything that they raised with city council. Um, but yet they they continue to pay their rent. Yes, they're paying their rent, um, and obviously we've had meetings. We've we've got support from um, Owen Murphy in the manager position in St. Finbar's Cathedral. You know, there's a lot of people looking at this, Neil, saying, look, it's 2023. Um, we can't be just looking at the buildings. We're concerned for, about the, the the families and the people living in there, you know. That's what we're con- that this what this campaign is about. That those families, you know, getting getting up in the morning, getting the children ready for school, getting them ready for work, and some of them that are living there, unfortunately, don't want to put their their name and address on. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Neil, like, you know, we could we we could talk about it all day, Neil, but you know, the, the grass is being cut on the opposite side of Noonan's Road, which is just the left hand side of yeah, the yeah, and the grass and the grass and the weeds on the flat side isn't being touched. Okay, okay. It seems as if they've been completely 100% ghosted. It says it says in the Echo this morning, there's 60 homes here and for nearly 60 years they've been neglected by Cork Corporation uh, and Cork City Council. Um, there also are issues with regards to used needles regularly being found there. One little girl accidentally stepping barefoot upon a needle, which clearly would have been used to inject heroin uh, recently. Is that, can I just ask, is that true, Rimgita? Yes. Um, I haven't heard of that now at all, but me, it could be true now, but I haven't heard of that, but like things like that could be thrown around here and it is dangerous, you know? Have you seen needles or used paraphernalia from drug use? No, no not, not around. Oh, well, in well, fairness, not, you're being honest, but others have. Others probably would have, yeah, but I'm not living here long enough to know um, the whole stories about people around here and things like that, you know. Okay, what about that, William, about the use uh, people using it to shoot up in corridors or the alleyways or the, the rat runs? Are the rats themselves, then, that are eating people's clothing? Yeah, and I spoke to the person that mentioned that to me about... Um, her niece actually, Neil, she said her niece had to wait for five months for all the tests to come back. You know, so there was a lot of anxiety and uncertainty around that. Um, and she also mentioned that her own son was hit by an object about a week ago. He, whatever, it, hit, it came down off the roof and hit him in the hand. You know, these are real people's experiences in Noonan's Road Flats. Like the roof, bits of the roof were falling down on people? Yeah, she said, she said well, if you didn't come down here, she said we'd still be, you know... They'd be normal listening to what us. About the, what about the rats? The risk of a rat bite or wheels disease? Well, Neil, we know that um, there's been a lot of photographs taken and there's, there's pictures of, I can send them to Kevin. There's back gardens there and they're actually like a forest. There's so much brambles there. There's plenty of cover. Oh, they are. They're very bad. Whose responsibility is that, though? Well, they're vacant properties, Neil. All you know, right. They're vacant. they're vacant. They're vacant local authority properties and we're in a housing crisis. Um, you know, and obviously there's, if you don't mind me mentioning, there's another housing body there that has tenants um, and they have, you know, a governance with that housing body where they have 24-hour maintenance, they have a, a key support worker, a tenancy officer that will come, uh, you know, inspect the property, see how they're getting on, see how their health is and everything rela- relies then on Cox City Council who have just one housing officer for the whole entire area mm. in the south, mm. you know, so, 
you know, the, the, we, we want somebody like a tenancy support officer to support the residents come up and actually, you know, obviously the pictures, it, it doesn't look good, Neil, you know. Okay, but so if you're, if you're unlucky enough to fall under the responsibility of Cork City Council, tough. Although Sean Martin is quoted in the Echo as saying that he wants the tenants moved out and he wants the um, units demolished. Yeah, well, hopefully, Neil, because there's developments in Barrack Street, um, there's develops, developments in the Magazine Road, um, there are new, new, new complexes. There's a lot of people in Noonan's Road with disabilities, uh, people in their 80s, and a gentleman who's 92, um, you know, they have to be accommodated for because they love the area. They actually love the area. There's, there's one, one lane where there have been, you know, a lot of antisocial behaviour there because, you know, obviously, people suffering from, you know, alcohol abuse mm. disorder and mm. you know things like that they congregate there they, and mm. they close off a gate Neil which is access to the post office it's a hundred yard lane it, it's open on Bandon Road for the public to kind of walk down in their face but it's, it's a lock gate on Noonan's Road you know? but, but uh, so how many people William have been without a heating system for up to three years Neil I'd say you'd, you'd nearly have to go up there yourself and that's if you don't mind me saying because myself and Donald Janelle brought a chair to me this one to remedy this story, you know. I don't let this sit down. You know, like, this is really live stuff in 2023. Like, it's when, you know, we're getting snippets of it. I'm meeting people. Everyone has their own personal story. There's a lot of, I suppose, uneasiness because people, you know, they're worried about their immediate families. They have children, you know, they're grown-ups. There's grandchildren coming to the complex of Neil. Everyone is looking at the past. You know, an 86-year-old man fell. They took the Cox City Council, unfortunately, took down the wall, they didn't repair it properly. The six-year-old fell, um, you know, and he had to get a knee operation. And he spoke, he said, like, in the last 60 years, there's been no one on, on Cox City Council mm. coming up to his side of the road, you know. And he, mm. he's actually a homeowner there as well, Neil. So we have a couple of homeowners and local authority. And, Neil, if you don't mind me saying, multicultural, Neil, we have people from Spain living there, uh, Romania, uh, Poland, you know. It's, we're just trying to get, see people are kind of a bit isolated Neil they're not coming out to engage because they feel like they've been true enough when someone says they didn't get an email back in six years um, I met one lady and she said to me I, she has a, a difficulty speaking and she said they're not replying to me mm, you know? mm. so just, has anybody so within housing at City Hall said anything about the conditions that people are living in have they has anybody come out and defended how people could be freezing and have no heating system for three winters and again, Neil, when there's maintenance to be done, Neil, um, it's left down to the tenants, you know. Um, and unfortunately, local authority down through the years, uh, they, they were kind of, they had a different governance with, with acting with their own properties. There was one guy there said he's after ended up on medication from dealing with them. He's been onto the ombudsman. You know, so like these, these are real life experiences, Neil, that uh, Donald and myself were a voice for the people in Noonan. But Court. if they've only got one housing officer... That person must be completely overloaded. Of course, uh, like Neil, he can't get everybody, but Neil, there has to be a response, Neil, when there's a health a health risk. You know, um, risk assessments on the balconies, Neil. Like there's dra- grandchildren coming in to see their grandparents, and Neil, if you don't mind me saying, there's a lot of homes there are spotless, but they're clean in the morning and night. You know, you know, front and back, and Neil, no one likes to live around rats, Neil. You know, people don't like spiders, but when you went, when you mentioned the word wheels disease and stuff, you know, like waking up to that every day, Neil, you know, 
and people not not advocating for you, Neil. You know, there's a there's a big area there, so there's a lot of people visiting. And on, on one side of the road, the grass has been cut by the local authority operatives, and it's not been touched on the other side. And I think that's discrimination. Isn't it? Isn't it terrible? It really and truly is to feel that neglected and ignored, to have rats eating your clothes in the middle of the night, to wake up in your bedroom and there's a rat there. God almighty, it's hard to believe. Um, and one lady, Neil, before we finish up, one lady said to me, um, she thought she was dreaming and she felt the mouse uh, nibbling on her fingers. <sighs> and this person, you know, she has a disability and she's a very strong lady. And I was like, you know, something has to be done about this. Okay, I'm hoping to get a statement from... City Hall as to how they let it get this bad for so long and done nothing about it and what they intend to do to put it right. Rim Gita? Yes. I guess you all feel by going public at this stage, as you did quite clearly, um, that it will yeah. make a difference, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Totally. Okay, thank you so much, Rim Gita. We may get a thank chance to talk much. again. Uh, and William, well done on the work you do as a community activist. Um, you know, a lot of credit due to you for bringing this uh, to the public's attention. Hopefully something good will become of it. Do stay in touch. I will, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. William O'Brien from Balafihan. Indeed, we've shared many of those pictures. Um, it shouldn't come as any surprise to me down through the years because we've shared pictures like this and other scenarios. So in many ways, nothing changes, but they're up on Twitter now. Text 0868 Back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 106. On lots of different topics, of course, people have come back to uh, their car and find that it's been damaged. My husband parked his van to do a few jobs a few weeks ago. When he came out, his silver Ford Transit back door was completely crushed in. Obviously, something like a Jeep or a trailer had reversed into it. Called the guards and they checked, but none of the neighbours would say anything. Plus, the guardie said they needed to have a witness or for it to be caught on camera. It would cost us €1,500 Euro to replace it. We're due to go on holidays this week. Terrible. It takes a lot of work to make 1,500 euro, I can tell you. It certainly does. But you know what? It, what? Somebody drove off having done that. Somebody literally just reversed out of the damage and drove away. And unfortunately, will probably get away with it. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Wrap your head around this. We live at a time when it apparently is not the responsibility of the guards to police the violence, the drug dealing and the antisocial behaviour associated with a specific household. But the same guards will be empowered to police our thoughts, our speech and the contents of our electronic devices. When given the opportunity, what line of questioning do our journalists subject Helen McEntee, our Minister for Justice, to? Her maternity leave. We live some strange times indeed, uh, says Richie in Toker. Uh, just staying with that, um, yeah, yeah, with regards to uh, my conversations with Senator Ronan Mullen, particularly on hate speech, Ronan Mullen is a rock of common sense. Somebody else says, how refreshing to listen to this man. I've never heard of him before. He's what we need more of in Irish politics. Um, things fixed with RTE, that's a good one. No, I'm saying that because of this, things may improve. That's a good one. Ever notice how the more Ireland changes, the more it stays the same. Fixing things in Ireland is equal to moving deck chairs on the Titanic says Pat. Uh, you know these free cars for rich people in the papers, Neil? It always confused me. What are the car companies actually saying? They're saying, here, rich person, have a free car. This way it'll allow us to charge poorer people more and it'll inspire them when they see that you driving our cars to pay us more. 
Yeah, I mean, that could be a good synopsis of it. Um, RTE is selling its Cork studio. Why not throw everybody else in as well? Or all of them under the bus? Uh, You stated, Neil, that we all love the toy show. I can tell you I don't. No, I didn't say that. I said many people love the Today Show, I said. Not the toy show. Mind you. People do love the toy show. They just do. Uh, RTE doesn't adequately hold politicians to account and RTE gives scant attention to any sensitive subjects like open border immigration, the hate speech laws, Tussler's concern over sexual abuse of children by gangs of men. They don't give equal thought to COVID sceptics. Their analysis of news is poor. There is a big difference between reporting and analysing. This is Peter. <coughs> Not one or two more. RTE will sell the building in Cork and then spend large amounts on rent. Who will be paying the rent? But the taxpayer. Uh, Morning, I'm not paying the licence fee to keep people in jobs. Uh, And one or two more. School's out for the summer, time for the doll, silly season, kite flying and remember me, claptrap. How about politicians working for tips? It might improve the service, if not the quality of constructive thinking. (laughs) Take away their salary and work for tips. Uh, Ronan, your bill won't work because it ignores stars who are employed by independent production companies like Tommy Tiernan or May Dunphy. Uh, the indie pays uh, Tommy and charges RTE for the full completed programme, as in the independent section make, makes the programme and then charges RTE. Um, can you ask Ronan Mullen his views on McEntee's High Court order, which will retain user data for 12 months. She said it was the security of the state without saying what the threat was in the first place. And one or two more, the reason that Ryan Tuberty's career in RTE is finished is that the staff feel cheated and betrayed and would find it hard to work with him. Um, For the love of God, stop talking about it. Nobody actually cares. That's a good point. I'd love to take the temperature as to people actually care or not or whether it's being talked about too much. I see a few texter coming in saying already, move on, fed up of it. Um, so text on that. I think we have a Twitter poll up on it as well, asking that question. Um, people sick to death of the RTE scandal, uh, and do they want to hear no more about it? Yay or nay? Um, actually, the, the actual Twitter poll question is, the latest statement from RTE has said they are committed to their Cork operations, but what I want to know is, Are you sick of listening to the RTE saga? So far, and this is in the very early days, um, I see uh, it's about 60-40. Not going to tell you which way. It's about 60-40. You're going to have to go on to Twitter and vote for yourself to find that out. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. The straight run up to midday, and that includes the Cargilline Court, Court Hotel, table for four for afternoon tea with Prosecco in Sally's Tea Room. And on Friday, it'll be 22 people, plus an overnight bed and breakfast for two, including dinner. So what famous three people, dead or alive, would you invite to afternoon tea? Text 0868 I'd bring Chris Martin. He could entertain us with his amazing voice. Princess Diana, she was a lady and Robin Williams for his humour um, actually there's a lot of people talking about inviting Princess Diana so far. Bruce Springsteen Don Henley, could you imagine the session and one of our own Roy Keane, I love his dry sense of humour. I got married in the Cargilline Court Hotel this month seven years ago, it was a fantastic day and a great hotel, I would love to go back to the bridal suite uh, I'd bring Bruce Springsteen, my favourite artist and performer, I'd bring John Bishop he's so funny and Miriam Margolis 
great crack and great stories. I'd be so blessed and it would be a dream come true to spend time in their company. Somebody else says Tina Turner, Michael Jackson and Kurt Cobain. Another one for Tina Turner, an amazing strong woman. Robin Williams because he was funny and intelligent. And David Attenborough as I think he was so amazing and would be fascinating to chat to. Uh, Graham Norton, Michael McIntyre and James Corden. Billy Connolly, Sean Connery and Liam Neeson. I would just sit and listen to the accents. Another one from Michael Jackson, Pavarotti and Amy Winehouse. What a combination. Uh, I would bring for afternoon tea James Connolly, Roy Keane and Johnny Cash. It would be one interesting afternoon. I like that. James Connolly, Roy Keane and Johnny Cash. Because in some ways they're completely diverse. But in other ways, they would have a lot in common. Um, I'd love George Michael, Princess Diana and Tom Jones. I'd sit there in awe. Freddie Mercury, Robin Williams and Tommy Tiernan. That would be some laugh, wouldn't it? You wouldn't get a word in edgeways there. I would bring my dad, RIP, and my two children who never met him. Uh, that's nice. Sad, but nice. Princess Diana, Lady Gaga and Shania Twain. Three women I admire. The strength and character is unmatched for all three. They fought and continue to spread the good vibes. They promote good health, even though Shania suffers with Lyme's disease and Lady Gaga has fibromyalgia, like myself. I did not know that. I'd love Princess Diana simply because she was a mother first and I think she's one of life's special people. They empower all three of them, not only women, but all who listen through words and music, I'd bake my own cakes, some of my <laughs> some of my fruit loaf and brown soda bread. I love that text. I just love it on so many different levels. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106. We'll pick a winner this side of midday today. That's down to Claire. Alison, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, How are you? My conversations regarding Noonan's Road and the flats there, which are disgraceful. I know him very well. I only came from around the corner from him. Would that be Toker? Would it be Greenmount? Where? What would you? Greenmount. Ca- I, I would have came from Greenmount, but I'm actually living in Toker now. Okay. Okay. Um. So, did you want to talk about those flats or others? No, I wanted to talk about myself. Go ahead, then. I I'm actually on um the housing list eleven years. And my daughter will be 12, actually, this month. 11 years and no movement, no? I've never once got an offer. Um, Do you bid? Do you bid? I do. I constantly bid, yeah. And nothing? Nothing. Okay. And tell us about the state of where you're living then. Well, my daughter's bedroom, she has no heating. She has no rides. So in the winter, it's absolutely freezing inside there. So Why haven't you got heating? There's no rides or heat. No, I have heating out in my front room. I have a ride out in my front room. And that's the only ride that works. What's wrong with the others? There's none in the child's bedroom. There's one in mine, but if you turn it on, there's a smell coming out of it, so I don't turn that on. So when they built them, they forgot to put a rat in a bedroom. Yeah, well, they must have because there's none in there. I how old, how old are they? I actually don't know how old they are. Like they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be very old. Like you know. So, how do you heat the place? I have um, one of those super star fires. With the gas barrel. With the gas bottle, yeah, yeah. But she slept. She slept on the couch. 
She's slept the on the winter. couch the whole winter, yeah, because she didn't want to come into the into my bed for me. I mean, I suppose I can understand that. Like the child is nearly twelve, you know, she don't want to be in in her mom's bed, like with her, you know, that kind of way. So what does she do? You throw and, a couple of blankets down on the couch and she sleeps there all the Yeah, she blankets, pillows, and she sleeps slept on the couch. The whole of the she got any? I mean, I took, she got any back pain? That's not good no, for a growing body. No, no, she don't. But you see, I do. I suffer a lot with back pain, and I, I suffer with my knee and stuff. You know. So is there dampness? If both of you have asthma and are on I, inhalers, I, I'm, on, I'm on two inhalers. I'm on a steroid inhaler in the morning, and then I'm on uh, ventilin just in case I need it throughout the day. But once I take the steroids, when I don't, I never used the Ventolin. Because you sound you know? a bit, you sound a bit cloggy to me in the in the first yeah. week in July. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It, I wouldn't be putting that down to a virus. I'd be putting it down to dampness. Oh, the dampness in the bedroom is absolutely appalling. It's disgusting. I mean, I used clean that myself with the astonished mould and mildew, and then I had any. Uh, any injury and I physically couldn't stand on the bed anymore to do it. It's up high, is it? It's up and yeah, it's up up high like. But um What about your so, neighbours? Is it similar for them? Uh, some of them do, yeah. They, but they travel in different areas of the house, you yeah, know, yeah. or the apartment, you know. But um, Sounds to me as if they're quite old, probably were built quickly. Not, probably built cheap not a whole lot of insulation. I'd say they were built cheap, all right, because like the, the walls are like paper. You can hear everything. You know, you can hear everything that goes on, like. Yeah. So, but I don't think they're that old, like. There's people, the people in Noonan's Road, some of them are too embarrassed to even have friends or family into where they live. Oh, I believe it. I, I believe it 100%, yeah, because I know people living in Noonan's Road. And I know they're going through through the same like as what I'm going through here with the dampness, probably worse in their case. I mean, the man that came out two years ago to me to clean my dampness, I'm afraid of spiders, right? So when he was pulling out my bed, I said, if you see a spider, will you kill the spider? He said, because I'm terrified. And he looked at, at me as if like I had 40 heads. And he said, believe me, he said, looking at that, he said, a spider would be the very least of your problems, he said, the state that's in. What was he when hinting he at, do you bed. think? I'm constantly throwing out um, I, uh, duvets because it goes on to the duvets as well. The mould? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was he, wasn't I, about, well, he wasn't about rats, was he? Oh, in here? No, yeah, yeah. no. No, they they must be a few in the park, all right, like, but they'd get rid of them. They've rats, they rats, the rats in the flats in Noonan's Road. Oh, I'm, I don't know. Um, yeah, I heard, I heard all the stories about the rats uh, down on his road. And how do you feel about 13 years? Is that what you said on a housing list and bidding? Well, ele- 11. 11. I, well, I should be 12, really, but they took the first year off me because of form. They said uh, they sent me out a form and I never received the form. So I actually didn't know I was off the housing list for a full year over that form until I went in. Yeah. You see, these are real life stories, right? When we hear everything is back to RTE this morning and the way they were squandering people's money. But this is a real life story of people who really are desperately in need. You know, I mean, like I'm literally crying out to be housed 
and like to not even get one offer. I go on the CVL every single Wednesday mor- morning when I get up, and I'll only bid for what I can see myself in. And I, I'm only going to be offered a two-bedroom anyway because I've only one daughter. But you'll be grand with that. Sure, that's that's so Yeah, grand. but see, I'm, I like I bitched you now there for them apartments out there now on the Sarsfields Road. They went up a couple of weeks ago. They were all two bedrooms, you know, and I bitched on two-bedroom houses around the area and I've never, ever got one offer. I mean, it's not fair on my child to be, like, not even able to have her friends over for a sleepover. Or anything like that, you know that kind of a way. Does she ask you why? You're, does she ask you why you're in she these kind of because she knows. She knows why. She knows the reason why. Like she did. She did ask me there um, a few weeks ago because one of her friends sleep, and I said, "Mary, you're you're sleeping on a couch." I said, "Where would you Where would you like your friends to sleep on the other couch?" I I said, the only you know, way you get around that is give her your bedroom and you sleep on the well, couch. Well, I, w- I would, but she, she won't go in there because yeah. she, she knows I suffer terrible with my back. I know. You I know? know? I know, I know. I, but she won't go in there. I've often asked her, do you want to sleep in the bed tonight? And I'll take the chair. You're wasting no, your time mom, with those friend. sprays. You're wasting your time with those sprays and all this I know, kind of I know. I know, but they're, they're meant to be coming out now again, like to... To, to do it again, like because it's all back again. Like now, I did try to clean, clean it again not long ago myself, but I just simply couldn't stand on the bed properly to even reach over. How, do you, you know? how does it make you feel, though, as an Irish citizen? I actually feel like a, tor- a terrible mother that my child is sleeping on a couch. I feel terrible. And you said it's, that it's, hurt, it's hurtful, like, you know, yeah. you hear people, like, they're getting housed and they're not even on the house and it's that long and stuff like that, you know, that kind of way. And do you know like, of people thinking, that were much shorter I've heard, I, yeah, 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 I do. But I mean, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of like look down my nose at them because they got housed. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, do I wouldn't begrudge someone a house? You just you know? need but a bit I mean, of luck like, yourself now at this when stage. Is, when it's going to be my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you ring that city hall, all they do is just put you on hold. I'm actually my phone number all last week and the week before, because I keep ringing them. Do you ever get to talk to anybody or is it an answering once machine? I have, once I have, well, they, they'll answer the phone. But when you ask them then to put you through to allocations, they'll put you on hold. And you know what's going to come next or there's no one answering, will I take a message? And this goes to show... Um, They'll ask you your name first, right? So I give my name and then they'll put me on hold and they'll say, uh, they'll come back on and they'll say, oh, there's no one answering. Do you want to leave your number? And I say, but if I rang yesterday, yesterday, you probably still have my number from yesterday and they can call up my number to me. It's depressing. Oh, it's there, it's there in front of us. It's yeah, depressing. I can see it out and they're able to call the, my number out to me. Okay, I hope I get more calls from people in a similar scenario because it's only in numbers that we can make things change or shame them into yeah. changing, you know? I hope. It's a disgrace. This yeah. is an absolute disgrace the way the housing is in this country. All right, thanks, Alison. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, of course, uh, the television licence, we're never far from that. Last year I was in court because I was not in a position to pay my television licence. The amount of people that were in court that day was just unbelievable. As a mum to five children who was working for 20 hours a week, the stress of being in court that day was unreal, I can tell you. I'm religious when it comes to paying my bills as I'm the sole bill payer and it's my responsibility. But it does get difficult at times. 
Why are we paying a license when the TV costs enough anyway? I don't watch RTE. I don't have channels to watch it. Uh, and why are we paying for the situation with Ryan Tuberty and the cars and the lifestyle of their staff? We pay enough taxes, don't we? God knows in this country today it's more and more expensive. My TV license is due again and I'll go to jail before I'll pay at this time. It's wrong and the government should not be using taxpayers' money to pay for a TV license any longer. I really wish the Irish people would come together on this and for once do something. We as Irish people are being rolled over time and time again. People have more power than they realise, and not through violence or hate, but in numbers and in voice. It says H by text. I think you could take comfort from the fact that you're amongst a fairly growing amount of people who are refusing now, according to the Sunday Independent, 30% of people will not renew their television licence. I know, I know, people say that now, but when push comes to shove and you have someone knocking on the door or there is, um, there is a letter telling you that you are summoned to court, uh, is that when people will change? I'm a carer for my full-time son. Uh, I do at least 10 hours a day. I can't work because I have to look after him. And because I can't work, I will be honest and say I have to claim social welfare. It's €246 Euro plus 110 carer's allowance. So with the 110 carer's allowance for a minimum of 10 hours a day, I'm paid €1.57 an hour. I have never come on here complaining, but carers like people on disability, are treated like the scum of society. €110 a week. Can any of you or them in the doll imagine trying to live on this? It's degrading. You have your shopping, electric, gas, clothing, petrol, meds, all of the household stuff for €110. They're having a laugh and carers on €1.57 an hour. Please stop the lights. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Interesting email. Hope this message finds you well and you had a good weekend. Sorry Monday morning blues here, but I thought I'd give some food for thought if you're discussing rip-off Ireland at all. I just got to Cork Airport. I got this uh, email just after 6am this morning. I just got to Cork Airport. I live in Cork, but frequently travel every other week to the UK for work. I reside in Ballyvillan. And I have just paid €34 for a taxi from home to the airport. No suitcases, just me and my backpack. To make it worse, the taxi driver's card payment device wouldn't work. So I had to go in to get cash. I had no cash. Ran into the airport airport to withdraw some cash. €3.95 fee to use the ATM, even with my Irish bank card. So all in all, €37.95 to get to the airport this morning. Don't get me started on the price of a coffee at the airport. And to top it off, I've just checked my flight booking. It cost me twenty-one ninety-nine for my flight to London. My 14-minute taxi ride cost me double my one-hour flight to London. What on earth is going on? You say, rip off Ireland at its finest. I didn't even tip the driver. Have a great show and enjoy the week, says Ryan on his, uh, well, if, and he's including the um, ATM charge of €3.95 fee to use the ATM machine. Would that be the same? If you took out €20 Euro for the ATM, would it be three ninety five? Same as if you took out 100 from the ATM, would it be three ninety five? It clearly is a private ATM and they charge exorbitantly for the service. But when you total it up at 37 95 taxi ride... 
uh, for which he didn't give a tip. Text 0868104106. Um, we have uh, some lovely prizes this week. A table for four of you for afternoon tea with Prosecco at Sally's Tea Room in the four-star Caragaline Court Hotel. I was asking you, what three famous people, dead or alive, would you invite to afternoon tea? Um, somebody says, the late Queen Elizabeth... Jerry Adams and Jim Morrison from The Doors. <laughs> Don't, I think, everyone's shaking their head around here. There wouldn't be a lot of talk there where all three of them could kind of um, converse with each other for want of a better term. Mind you, you could be, I, more I think of it now, you think perhaps Jerry Adams and the late Queen Elizabeth actually could find common ground. Don't you think? Kevin Hart for a laugh. Celine Dion for the songs and Brad Pitt just to sit back and look at him. Another view, Chris Evans, Zac Efron and Sam Smith, Freddie Mercury, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lady Gaga. Um, a lot with Princess Diana. So this one is interesting. Princess Diana, R.I.P., Elvis, R.I.P. and Michael McIntyre, not R.I.P. It would be a great mix filled with great conversations, stories and laughs. And just one more before I go to the phone lines. My triumvirate would be Freddie Mercury, George Michael and Brendan Grace. I'd love to see the look on Freddie's and George's faces when Brendan does Father of the Bride or the famous bottler. That would go down a storm. And this is another one. It's short, but it's sweet. Phil Linnett, Michael Collins and Roy Keane. Now that would be an action-packed afternoon tea, wouldn't it, with those three? But to the phone lines we go. Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Morning, morning to you all in Aherla. So, what would you do if you'd afternoon tea? Who would you invite? Well, I famous people, obviously famous people. I would invite Michael Collins, Eamon De Valera, and Gronwy <laughs> Wheel, Greek O'Malley. Michael Collins and Eamon De Valera sharing afternoon tea. I'd like to be at that myself. Uh, you can be sure of it. And uh, we'd have gender balance there. We'd have the two boys and myself and Grace. We'd have the two girls. This, Grace this O'Malley being the pirate queen herself. The pirate queen, yeah. The last woman to hold strong in Ireland. And she was nearly deleted out of history. Yeah. All oh. the, the monks, when they were writing the manuscripts and writing Irish history, they tried to delete poor Grania Whale out of it. But she <laughs> held strong in folklore. People passed on the word. Okay. Um, who would dominate the conversation, do you think? Oh, Grace O'Malley, no doubt. And what would she no be doubt. saying to the likes of Dev and the big fella? Well, first of all, she'd be telling two boys to sort it out and why all the fighting. And I think she'd ask them a lot of hard questions and we'd finally get some answers to some questions that we've been looking for for a long, long time. And would you stay back? Would you sit back or would you um, drive the conversation? Oh, I'd drive the conversation. I'd be asking all the right questions, all the right people, and I'd be trying to um, figure out from Dev and Collins, number one, why did Collins go to London and why didn't Dev go? And number two, I'd be asking Michael Collins, Michael, who killed you? <laughs> who you... killed you? Did, did you see who shot you? Yeah. And we'd have it all figured out. Yeah. And then I'd be telling them the situation <laughs> with the government at the moment and I'd see what they'd make of it. So if they, you, you, you would be talking to them and they would be ignorant of 2023 or Ireland of the hundred years since they're gone. Well, not Dev, but certainly Collins. You would be telling them about where, where we're at now, is it? I would, and they'd be asking me questions, and we'd have YouTube Nexus, and I'd be showing them clips on YouTube. Might show them um, Leo Varadkar and Mike, Michael Healy Ray and the rest and see what they make of it. What do you think they'd It'd say be very to funny. them? I'd say they, I don't know, would they be overly impressed? 
with a lot of the situation with housing and different things. So okay. I might ask them for some tips. I might say to themselves and Grace, what would you do? Would you think all three of them would be surprised that we still have a divided island? I'd say no. No, I'd say they wouldn't. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be surprised, no. But they might have a few innovative ideas that we might think they might think outside the box maybe. You don't think that would surprise them a hundred years after independence that we still don't have the six county. Grace O'Malley would be would she be even would she would she even be interested in that? She she possibly wouldn't well she would. She she was very, very rebellious back in the day, wasn't she? She was the, the last she was the last they were the last clan in Ireland to hold strong against British rule. So absolutely. So there was a lot more to her than robbing ships and piracy. She you was. Know what? I'd say that Grace O'Malley might be able to sort out the whole thing. <laughs> I'd say the boys would probably still keep fighting. I don't know would we get uh, far with them, but I'd say Grace uh, could sort it out. <laughs> and sure we haven't had a female T-shirt yet. Hold on, hold on there a second, will you? Absolutely, that's well overdue. I think that's going to happen fairly soon, though. Do you? Well, hopefully, hopefully it's long overdue, long okay. overdue. Oh, hold, hold on there, Tanya, good morning. Hi, Neil, good morning, how are you? Okay, I've timed it all wrong as usual, but anyway, your, your three. My three, um, Freddie Mercury, obviously for his music. Um, there's a new up-and-coming comedian, um, Matt Rice for Eye Candy, and of course Morgan Freeman to keep the, the tone relaxed for ourselves. Eye Candy, that's very sexist of you, isn't it? Eye candy. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a very good-looking man. Yeah, but if a man were to friendly. say that now, we'd be murdered. We'd be slaughtered. <laughs> no, well, look, a bit of both. I definitely need it. I'm I'm in bed rest at the moment, so I definitely need to be looking at some eye candy for the Netflix <laughs> for a change. <laughs> I'm Netflix out of it. All right, okay, fair play so to I you. So I definitely need some eye candy. <laughs> totally honest. Thanks, Tanya. Just a fast one. Anne Cahill is on Clark's Road. Anne, good morning. Morning. How are oh, you? Oh, the Rat Pack. That's all you're interested yeah. in, yeah. That's all. That's all. Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis. Why wouldn't you want to go to Afternoon Tea with them? Why would you want to be talking about politics and everything that's depressing in this world today? <laughs> Just listen to them. Talking or singing? Oh, singing. They'd have to sing. I'd sit down and talk to them too, but I definitely would have to have them singing to me all the time. <laughs> I seen a video recently of Dean Martin. He came out on the stage and he had a cigarette in his hand. That time, of course, they could do that. And he sat down in the chair and he started singing, my woman, my woman, my wife. <laughs> and I'm not joking, it nearly brought me to tears. <laughs> and he got up and smoked a cigarette as to say he was having a conversation. The three of them, they'd have no interest in afternoon tea unless it involved yes, whiskey. They, they wouldn't drink Prosecco, woman. They'd want whiskey. Whiskey, but sure, we'd sort that out for them anyway. There's no problem there. <laughs> but you know, you know, that there'd be, you know that there'd be a brawl, that there'd be a fight at some stage. Be punches thrown. <laughs> no, they'd, they'd have the whole place rocking for the end of the night. <laughs> oh, man, I think we're going to have a good week on this one. I can tell you that for sure. So keep your text coming as to who you would invite. What famous three people, dead or alive, would you invite to afternoon tea and why? Text 0868104106. More aid. Hello. I'm going to give it to you for the morning that's in it with the oh, with, with, with the long fella, the big fella, and what would we call Grace apart from the pirate queen? The powerful lady. I don't know. I'll have to think of something. So could we say the big fella, the long fella, and the non fella? The non fella. That's it. She'd start out the whole lot of them. Right. Okay, so we got afternoon tea for you and whomever you choose to take with you at Sally's Tea Room in the Carrigaline Court Hotel. Please enjoy.
Serve me the mahogos. I'll just do Faze, longer fall. Meanwhile, Monday munchies. Today, oh man, I tell you what, I'm out of time, but I'll read out some more of the, the requests for Monday munchies tomorrow. But we need to pick a winner for this. And apparently, I'm reliably informed that Monday munchie winners for today, and this involves a lot, and I'm talking about a lot of donuts, which will be delivered by Red Patroller this lunchtime, courtesy of ourselves. An offbeat donuts is going to. Oh, feck, it's gone from my screen. We just page back up. Thank you. Zach and the gang at Swissport at the airport. Morning. All of the whole team at Swissport up at the airport would love some offbeat donuts to beat the Monday Blues. We are well and truly into the busiest summer period we've had in years. And the donuts would go down a real treat with a cuppa in between departing flights this afternoon. Thank you so much. Can I just say well done to everybody at Cork Airport. It really is a jewel in our crown. And there are donuts on the way for you guys. Not just in Swissport, but for everybody else up there because you'll have plenty to share with other staff. So make sure you do so. Courtesy of yourselves and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. Covered a lot of ground this morning. We'll pick up on the conversation in the morning. Get involved. Text 0868104106 for whatever may be on your mind. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.